There's an impeachment going on, I guess. And, uh, you know, before the start of the show, we're sitting here thinking, like, what's the big story? That's often what we ask. Like, what, what is what is something we really need to talk about that's really important having an impact? And then at first we were like, we got to talk about this COVID thing, double masking. The Washington Post putting out this story where they're pushing the lab leak hypothesis. Oof. I was told by the Daily Beast that was a fringe alt-right conspiracy yeah. theory. You're not allowed to talk about it. Well, far be it for me to push those crazy theories. That's the Washington Post. But then we were like, I, I don't know. Maybe the impeachment thing is kind of important. We should talk about it. So then I actually made the title about impeachment. And then we all kind of just were like, I, I don't know if anyone actually cares about this because it's totally meaningless. He's going to get acquitted. Nothing's going to happen. It's like they're trying to distract us from what's really going on. So then I was just like, whatever, dude, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about what's going on with this double masking thing. It's ridiculous. They're telling people now to wear a disposable mask with a cloth mask over it. And I'm just wondering at what point they're going to start telling people to put a plastic bag over their head and just tie it in a knot. Because that's the best way to keep it from spitting on people, I suppose. But they're also saying that COVID, is, the, the lockdown's not ending until winter. Like we're going to be, do, we're going to do a whole nother year. They're saying that even if you get the vaccine, Nope, you guys still locked down. So what's the point of any of this? I have to wonder if they wanted the lockdown for some other reason, because there's this tweet from Zuby where he's like, if you think if you think the goal, if you if you look at this as though the goal is to demoralize and destabilize people's lives in the economy, it makes more sense. And I'm like, maybe that's why they don't want the vaccine to work. Maybe that's why the media keeps putting out these stories to scare people. Maybe that's why they're saying that even if you get the vaccine, it's not going to work because Trump actually pulled off something they didn't want to happen. Maybe they like the idea. Now, look, I'm saying maybe. I don't know. All I know is it's still going to be bad. They're telling everybody to put masks on. They're doing butt swabbing in China. And it's just absolutely nonsensical. Meanwhile, they're trying to tell us that impeachment matters. And I'm not sure it does. And we're all just kind of tired of this, of the absurdity of this news. So we're going to talk about this. But we're also going to talk about a bunch of other issues. We got the uh, good pillow <laughs> controversy, I guess. You know, uh, so David Hogg of, of Parkland Notoriety starting a company to sell pillows. But shout out to Cameron Caskey, who basically said, I'm sorry to all of the supporters. It's come to this. And it's a really interesting situation between, you know, these, these kids. And we also have Gina Carano of Deadpool and Mandalorian. They're trying to get her canceled. And they've been trying to get her canceled because she's one of the few people's working in Hollywood who is speaking out against a lot of this BS from the far left. And I think it's really important that we talk about it. Plus, we got Aunt Jemima. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Aunt Jemima's gone. Pearl, Mill, Pearl, Pearl Milling company like you're eating granite powder or something whatever anyway we'll start talking about this stuff and joining us today is matt brainerd again matt do you want to just uh, briefly introduce yourself yeah i'm matt brainerd i'm the executive director of look ahead america i'm a political consultant who worked on the 2016 uh trump campaign uh, helping him get elected by running strategy and data and i kind of ran the this little project called the voter integrity project in the aftermath of uh the, the uh, november 2020 general election and uh be very careful talking about that because I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Yeah, because they're like their fingers floating over mm -hmm. the button that says ban, and they're like, "Come on, say it, say it." We also have Luke Rudkowski's chilling. Today's a very important historic day. I don't know if you guys realize what it is today, but today officially, guys, racism is over. As of course, Aunt Jemima syrup is now pearl mining. Company syrup. Milling. Milling syrup, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> forget about the falling wages. Forget about the collapsing economy, the loss of civil liberties, the huge health care costs. At least right now, an African-American woman, Lillian Richards, who was the goodwill ambassador to the syrup company in 1925, has been canceled. So, yes, racism defeated somehow. Uh, well, it's because her actual, the art of her 
Wait, was that, that that wasn't even her picture though, wasn't it? Like they changed the picture. Uh, she was the official goodwill ambassador. I don't know if it was officially her, but uh, she was uh, like a folk hero in her community and and looked up to by by a lot of people. Well, she's gone now. Well, she's gone now. Who wants to eat pearl milling? It, it's like you open the box and you're gonna get like talcum powder. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't want to eat that. Yes. Now, I, now, I gotta be, I gotta be real with everybody though. You really shouldn't pour refined <laughs> flour, high glycemic sugar wads into a pan full of grease and then literally take a bottle of their refined high fructose corn syrup and squirt all over it for breakfast. That sounds really unhealthy. America. We should yeah, be doing man. more health advice. Welcome back, beautiful <laughs> and amazing human beings. My name is Luke Radowski of WeAreChange.org, and I release videos and sell t-shirts on WeAreChange.org. Thanks for having me. Well, because COVID is such a very serious issue, um, we've, we've specifically requested of Ian to take it more seriously than normal, and he is. What up, everybody? <laughs> We're back to the show. Ian Crossley here. I'm just excited. To <laughs> I don't think anyone can hear you. <laughs> I can sort of hear the mumble. Can hear it. Up. I'm there excited go. to uh, talk about this Trump, Trump uh, impeachment, impeachment. Stuff with Matt. I'm wearing it because Matt didn't get a COVID test, so. <laughs> okay, I think you can take it off. Morse code. Wait, so well, use Morse code with Tim, your what nose. was that anal swab we did when I got oh, it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ian administered it. Don't look at me. Talk about that. So you actually bought these. So That's I so bought cool. those. I had to do it. You know what? So these are the, these space helmets this, this dude made and sold. And it's like, I got to be honest. They say if you're on a plane, it's more comfortable to wear that than a mask. That's actually probably true. Yeah, it. when the ventilation is going, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's got a fan inside and HEPA filters. It cools your head down. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I could, like, it, it probably would suck to be on a plane for several hours wearing a mask. It does. That thing, you just go to sleep and you get fresh air blowing in. You, you can see Buy the official unboxing on Tim's Instagram page. Yes. Very it, well, cool. Ian put it on, a, well, Luke gave it to Ian upside down and then he put it on. That's but, uh, I think it's absurd to wear the thing in public, just wear the mask. But I can understand the plane argument. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about all that too, I suppose. <laughs> I have questions. And, uh, for and we'll definitely talk about impeachment, and we'll talk about uh, the CDC double masking. I wonder if you have to wear a double mask if you're wearing that space. That's helmet. what I was wondering. Oh, that's a good probably question. not. Yeah. Who do we have to ask? Oh, dude, Ian, you should wear a mask while you're wearing that. You probably should. <laughs> it's safer. And then a mask over it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll jump into the news. Uh, we also have a Star Patch Lids press yes, on the buttons. Yes, I am here in the corner laughing at these guys. This is an awesome space helmet. I've not worn one yet. They look pretty cool. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com to check out our members-only content. These are segments and even some full episodes that are only available for those who are members of the website. We set up the website because we could get banned at any moment, especially as Matt just mentioned. There are some issues pertaining to the election that he's like, we gotta, we'll be careful about because, yeah. yeah, one wrong word. Like I said, their finger is hovering over the ban button. They just want to press that button, just nuke this channel. So go to TimCast.com, become a member. In the event that happens, you'll get access to all of this content. But more importantly, we do have members-only content, and we're going to have a bonus segment up after the show where we'll probably talk about, I don't know, some spicy things that YouTube probably wouldn't like, and, you know, the grifters will cut out of context, but hey, that's the way it is. Also, don't forget to like, sh- uh, like share, subscribe with the notification bell. Should we, should we talk? Let's talk about uh, uh, impeachment first, just a little bit, to go over uh, uh, some of these issues. More importantly... We were talking a moment ago, Matt was mentioning that there are many people who were involved in the Capitol, you know, the storming of the Capitol, who had no idea what was going on. And now they can't get lawyers. So I I do want to go over that a little bit, but we'll start with, you know, where we're at with Trump, because the big news, I suppose, if you care about impeachment, and it's I I, got to be honest, I find it really, really hard to care about it, is that his lawyers are doing miserably, like really, really bad. And Trump is apparently really angry. We have this story from the New York Times that says, meandering performance by defense lawyers enrages Trump. 
The former president was particularly angry at Bruce L. Castor Jr., one of his lawyers, for acknowledging the effectiveness of the House Democrats' presentation. Well, apparently the Democrats have put up some, like they're, they're arguing over his tweets. They put up some edited video to make their case. I honestly just think it's a big waste of time because we know what's going to happen in the end, right? Yeah, it's it's not going to there's not going to be a conviction. And so the problem I think that the president's attorneys have is they don't understand what's going on is that they are making this very narrow constitutional argument. They're almost doing this in a very bad way as if there really is um, something to be decided as if they were in a courtroom, as if it was truly a case. And it's not any of those things. This is an old fashioned Soviet style show trial. But unlike in the Soviet system, you actually both sides get to do a show. So and I've used this term before. It's, it's asymmetric warfare with the, the left. The Democrats are rolling in here with it's just the loudest. Pro- they know they're not going to get a conviction. It's basically just about trashing Republicans, trashing Trump, trashing his supporters. And they're just it's full on propaganda. And they're not they're throwing everything in there like high high impact video. Granted, it's edited and it's phony, et cetera. But then the Republicans walk in and they're like making like a, a legal argument like it's some you know, man, Republicans are dumb. Well, you know, I, these attorneys, I, I'm not sure how committed they are to the party because, uh, they're Democrats. So <laughs> I'm just saying, and, uh, one of them sued the president twice just a year ago. <laughs> what, so and, why, what? Yes. Why, why did he hire these people? I, you know, I, I'm not privy to that process, but I, I I'll tell you, I, I've heard from many people, including very prominent Republican attorneys, more than one, by the way, who have just been dumping on the performance. And the thing is, look, if it's a show trial, you, you fight fire with fire. You roll in there with all of the instances of the left in uh, uh, provoking riots, like serious riots resulting in people getting murdered, uh, cops being murdered, cities being burnt to the ground, Democrat politicians calling for people to stand up and fight. And, and you go whole hog. And, you, can, you know, you can go anywhere you want. You can talk about Chinese uh, influence compromising President Biden. And some of the steps he's already taken with his administration so far, you can do whatever you want. It's like it's a blank canvas to so just get in there and paint the best picture you can. But these guys, I the thing is, I, I almost feel like they they're phoning it in because they know what the outcome is. And they're right. like and they're thinking, you know, a year from now, this will be completely forgotten because it's, you know, you know I, I, maybe that's the right thing. And I actually respect that. It's a waste of time. We, well, don't, we don't need to waste any time on it. They, they should walk in and go, uh, Donald Trump has free speech and, uh, you know, he didn't do it. Uh, we rest our case. That would be brilliant if they did that. But instead, yeah. they're doing like a real legal as if it was a real impeachment, trying to make a real case and doing a bad job of it. <laughs> I, I remember looking through Twitter. I forgot who said this, but someone jokingly said it was definitely the deep state that made Donald Trump hire inept lawyers, <laughs> which is which is a very interesting point. The Independent also has a very uh, curious article that reads Trump's inept lawyers draws comparison to Joe Pesci's character in My Cousin Vinny. Uh, Vinny, uh, if you remember that movie, that was a pretty funny movie back in the day. I, I loved it myself. But but again, a lot of people are criticizing these people. But more, more importantly, a lot of mainstream media people are treating this like it's the Super Bowl, like it, like everyone cares, and in reality, no one really cares. No. What else There's are they going to? But what else? It. What else is there exactly. to report on? Right and, now? and you would think they would take this opportunity to move forward with their agenda, their causes, but they're stuck in this again Trump derangement syndrome. They're stuck talking about Trump, and no, 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 and they're beating a dead horse. No, Luke, they're the dealers. Yeah. They're the dealers of the drug. They're the ones dishing out the Trump derangement tablets to all the unsuspecting towns children. Have they yes. been dipping into their own stash? A little bit, yeah. Dang. Yep. Yeah. They're high yeah. on it. They, 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 they have been, but I think now they know they're dealing. 
well, they're dealing Trump derangements. Well, here's the question we got to ask. Last time there was this a phony impeachment. Um, that was completely consuming all of Capitol Hill and the entire media. Right at the time, this little flu-like thing was starting to spread out of China and slowly reaching other parts of the world. Just no one's really paying attention to it. President Trump made comment about fighting it in his State of the Union speech that Pelosi tore in half and ignored and then called him a racist for trying to limit travel to, to China. That's That was what was happening when the last impeachment trial was consuming everything. So I wonder... What's what are we missing now? Because this is what they're completely focusing on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Biden's weird executive orders, like uh, the one that allows for Chinese propaganda. Fifty-two of them, or fifty-two so far. Yep. Wow. Fifty-two. Oh, hey, yep. that's a record. Honestly, that time and, that time story. Oh yeah, I mean, but they're bragging about that. They're not trying to hide it. Now, I, I maybe maybe it's the electrical grid rule suspension. Joe Biden's allowing Chinese-made goods to be used in our electrical grid, suspending a rule from Trump for like seemingly no reason. And I've actually heard criticism from some people who are relatively you know Democrats saying, "I understand Trump's rules may have been bad, but shouldn't you review them and not shut them down first? Like, don't suspend the rule, just review it, and then if it comes, to, you, you come to the decision to get rid of it, then you do. Isn't it weird to like just immediately snap your finger and say, China, you can build stuff for our electrical grid?" We're going to review if it makes sense. Or more and more mili- U.S. military convoys going through Syria. Yeah. What's the status with that? I've heard about that. I heard it was debunked. It was Syrian propaganda. No, well, there have been several of them at this point now, and I, nobody's really pushing it or asking questions. Yes, there's been many kind of international organizations that have been detailing large convoys, 50-plus vehicles going into Syria, into, of course, the northeast region where the territory is contested between Syrians, Kurds, Russians, and now the United States that is permanently watching all the oil fields there as if it's theirs. So that's that's happening. And, and slowly but surely, the reports that are coming in is that more and more troops are on their way there. And it's always American troops coming through Iraq. Is that what it is? Well, it's not just Iraq. There's also Jordan. The, the United States has bases all around, not just, you know, Syria, but of course, Iran there. So there's a there's a lot of troop mobilization and movements, not just by the United States, but also Russia in that region as well, that is also doubling down and sending more troops into that region. I, w- I wonder so. what they're going to do with oil when the economy is shut down and nobody's using it. Yeah, that, that's another big factor here economically, especially with you know America becoming energy independent. Now under these new restrictions by Biden, it looks like the United States is going to have more of a kind of appetite for oil. So that this is why some people are saying we're going to be going back into the Middle East. I think it's far beyond that. I think it's far beyond natural resources. There's bigger <laughs> things at play here, especially the geopolitical hegemonic power play that's being made between Russia, China, and the United States on the world stage. Yeah, the shipping lane through the Suez Canal is not to be understated. That's that's like of course. the central blood flow of the United States shipping. Yeah, if you look at, no, no, if you look at major conflicts throughout world history, they have taken place on shipping routes. So shipping routes are essential. This is why China also expanded its territory into the South Chinese Sea, because it's along a major trading route that, of course, usually sparks the largest conflicts. When we look back at history, well, it, it usually st- it concludes first well, the that, stopping of trade. That's interesting because the U.S. is running uh, drills right now under Biden in the South China Sea. Yeah, with Japan and Australia doing war games, uh, of course, kind of uh, saber rattling against China, who has been also doing a lot of con- 
consecutive war games, especially in the month of January. In January, out of 31 days, for 30 days, China ran drills and ran over the airspace of Taiwan, uh, specifically drilling for its invasion. So, so sorry, guys, but I'm, I'm, this sounds really important, but don't you, we've got an impeachment. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's more Very important. Good point. Yeah. International yeah. war is meaningless. No, no, forget yeah. about that stuff. Extrajudicial So he's getting impeached? Wow. <laughs> You mean he already got impeached? Wait, yeah. but, that's right. Oh, Second he got time. impeached? Yeah. Yes. Now they're going to try and convict him. I can't even joke about this. Stuff. And who is this guy you say? It's the, it, they're, they're trying to impeach the president of the United States. No, he used the to be the former president. president. Oh, oh, Donald wait. Trump. Say his name with me, guys. Donald wait, wait, Trump. On, on. It's all about Donald Trump. He's right? not the president. Right. He's playing golf. And they're like, we got to convict this Private guy. Private citizen. I think that right. before Trump... There wasn't that much news. I, I feel like maybe I'm desensitized to it. I can't tell. I'm in this warp world. You but, got you got pulled into a vortex. We've all been in. Yeah, they yeah. were they were making so much news because his tweets, and now it's just kind of back to normal. It's it's where there's it, not that much news. Well, well this is Hillary's. I'm sorry, Pelosi's priorities. But I will tell you that if they weren't doing this right now, their their fundraising would just. Yeah. I mean, even NPR was talking about this immense legal battle that's happening in Florida right now with the local county trying to kick Trump out of Mar-a-Lago, saying that he can't live there permanently. I'm like, why are we obsessing about this? Why yeah, is NPR talking about this? And they went on for a full 30-minute segment. I love listening to NPR because I love... I actually really like their, their science and technology uh, sections when they talk about those issues. But politically, it's very interesting to see their perspective because I love to see how other people think. And they are nonstop obsessing about this impeachment. They're thinking it's the Super Bowl. It's a major sporting event. They were covering it live, play-by-play -play blows. And when you look online, there's not even a fervor. No one really cares. Everyone's over it. Everyone wants more. to see. But this is the this is the big moment that we're in because everyone wants to see what the Democrats can do for them. We voted for the Democrats. They you got did. elected. They're in there. What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do to make my life better? People are waiting there, and they're like, we got Trump here. We're gonna we're gonna beat this Luke, dead Luke, horse Luke. <laughs> even more. What, and people what, are like, what they're we don't saying care. It's very simple. Yeah, I know, America, that you voted for the Democratic Party, and we here, we Democrats, are going to do everything in our power to get you exactly what you need in these trying times by impeaching a guy who's not president yes. anymore. Hey, hey, <laughs> put on the clown makeup, drop the circus tent, put on the <laughs> do -do 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 music, and then, yeah, have a little car drive around, and people are swinging around on the trapeze, and like, ooh, Donald Trump's getting impeached. Don't look over at the decimated small businesses. Don't look over at the mass evictions that are looming, because we've got a big old pile of bread and circuses That's right here for right. you on the TV. I mean, the American people are, are hurting, just like I brought up in my introduction. Failing wages, collapsing economy, loss of civil liberties, huge health care costs. I don't see any of the Democrats dealing with any of these issues Have you ever? at all. Of course not. <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of disenfranchised new voters, because, I mean, how many votes did Joe Biden get? He got more votes than any other president in... American history. So there's going to be a lot of people who are like, I participated. I was a part of the system. I got evil Trump out. Now things are going to be better. And now they're going to be slapped in the face with reality. No, here's corporate globalist America screwing you. Family friendly show. I got, I got other things I want to say here. We're going to say it, save it for the post show. Uh, but, but they're ramming you with their corporatism and you have no other thing to do than submit to them getting their own way. And it's ridiculous could, and it's sickening. We could, we could talk about Mandalorian. Or WandaVision. Yeah. I still want to talk about foreign policy. <laughs> I love foreign policy. Yeah, I want to talk about yeah. the vestigility of uh, the political establishment yeah. at this point. It seems like there are no value. You know, when a gland in your body becomes vestigial, it's no longer used or needed. Right. Uh, it seems like they're just 
like you said, meandering at some point. Well, no, they they are siphoning away our money yeah. to use for their lifestyles. Well, partly because they're incapable of handling the money because they've given the power of the money over to a private company and they're just letting the Federal Reserve run with it. So they it's can't a, fix monetary policy. They can't even audit the Federal Reserve. But but let's not underplay when they're like, I must have $10 million for Pakistani gender programs and, and giving, speedboats in Sri Lanka. Giving themselves raises, of course, they're good at that. The raises thing, I don't really care that oh, much about. I do. I can't stand it. That's they, not, that should not be their authority. That drives me insane. What, to get a raise? To, I, to, I to like, give themselves give a raise with my well, money. Well, so the problem is there's no real way to solve the salary problem of Congress. Like Andrew Yang has said, give them a million bucks so they're not incentivized to work for lobbyists. But that wouldn't change anything. They'll still, the, the lobbyists would just offer more money. The companies would offer more money. And some have said, make it so they can only make as much as the median American job, and then they'll be taking the, the, the lobbying. It's like there's no real way to solve that problem. I'll tell you, the bigger problem is when they're like, we have to help America by sending $500 million overseas during a pandemic when people's jobs are destroyed. We'll give your dollars to Someone else in a different country with different rules and no, less lockdown or what? We that desperately no need a new industry. I don't want to derail this particular conversation, but I, I, I think a lot about graphene, you know, and if we can make America uh, like the graphene industrial power of the 21st century, I think that that will allow That's our just economy one fortune. small component. It's like I mean, the we steel. Have, It'd be we like have, if we were the steel industry of the 1900s. Now we can be the graphene industry. I think but we have to do it. You know, with these politicians that don't understand it, it's not going to happen. No. We need new people. Well... I think impeachment is dumb. Sounds like you should run for office, my friend. Yeah, right. that's right. The graphene party. I'm behind you. Let's do yes. it. And the Fed. Key yes. slogan. Uh-huh. Let's do this. It'll get smeared. But uh, let's let's go back to that one thing I asked you about earlier, Matt. So this is kind of a, this is kind of important. There were a lot of people who went to the Capitol on DC uh, in DC. They went to the Capitol on the sixth, and they found their way inside the building through no storming of anything. There's videos where the doors have been opened and people were bumbling and confused and walked in while the cops nodded and tipped their hats and even took selfies with them. Some of these people are being charged with what, like misdemeanors? Um, pretty uh, disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds, unlawful entry of a restricted building. And, you know, it goes beyond just the charges themselves because what, what the effect of this is it's destroying these people's lives. Um, a week ago, uh, I sent on look ahead letterhead a letter to the uh, acting attorney general and the FBI director asking them to drop all charges against nonviolent, um, basically trespassers, protesters who happen to find themselves inside the Capitol building because this, this is, this is a, Political persecution. This isn't pro- this isn't just routine prosecution of crimes. This is persecution. The level that the federal government is going after these people and destroying their lives. And th- the test of it is simple: is that over and over again, when the left did this, they repeatedly did this during Kavanaugh's con- uh, confirmation hearings. They stormed the buildings. They all uh, of them. Yeah, and they they intimidated senators. They tried to interfere with what the Senate was doing. All of the people who were who who did this were, if they were arrested at all. They were taken off site and given a fine of thirty five to fifty dollars and let go to do it again. But this happens and the reaction now, granted, I don't I'm not talking about people who did true violent actions or really tried to destroy property. This is solely targeted at the people who happen to walk in. And all of these charges require something called mens rea, meaning you had to know that it was a crime to do it. You had to know you weren't allowed to go in there into a building the public's routinely allowed to on almost any given day of the week outside of COVID period, right? It's, it's a public building. They walked in. They took some selfies. They left. And this letter, it's on lookaheadamerica.org, the website. So I go through all the legal arguments. But here's a problem, and, and this occurred to me as I was researching this. I spoke to multiple 
um, Republican attorneys. Um, one uh, gentleman, Republican attorneys, one of the most prominent Republican attorneys in the entire country, and I said, well, you know, is anybody helping these folks out with attorneys? Because I'm hearing some of them are getting trouble. And he told me that two problems. Number one, Republican or conservative-leaning attorneys don't have a lot of practice with rioters like the left does because the left the aclu they're they're on oh, yeah. site they're wearing vests so you know who they are the the right has no experience with this but he said there's another problem is with taking these cases and he said there's a problem with optics then i talked to somebody else who was working with a conservative law professor many of these people again they they just walked into the building they didn't know they were doing anything wrong they thought it was a peaceful protest that's what got them in this trouble um they, this uh, conservative law professor was trying to set them up with uh, legal representation because these are serious charges. And he said that while there were conservative-leaning attorneys who were willing to take the cases, their law firm says, told those attorneys, you are not allowed to take those cases. And it's been a real problem. And, you know, since I wrote this letter, about five or six of these individuals have reached out to me, and I have been able to get them representation. But it just seems – and here's the contrast. This is the one I mentioned earlier is that um, – Democrat-leaning white shoe firms in D.C. were cheerleading their attorneys going down to Gitmo to pro bono terrorists who set up bombs, killing civilians, killing U.S. troops to represent them. And these people, these boomers who wandered through a building they shouldn't have and took a selfie with a cop smiling with them are now facing pretty serious charges and having their whole lives destroyed can't get legal representation and that's a that's absolutely abhorrent republicans man sorry it's the politicians it's the leadership they are pathetic spineless losers it's just that simple they're they're like oh i'd like to represent them you know everyone deserves their day in court but it's bad optics oh okay so when you know antifa was burning down when black lives matter was burning down cities and kamala harris the current vice president (laughs) tweeted let's raise money to get these bail them out people out of jail and they and how many, what nineteen people is the official death count? It's actually substantially higher. How many people died during the riots? But as a direct result of riotous action, it's like nineteen. You know, there I, are cops who got shot and paralyzed. And Kamala Harris literally can go on Twitter and say, "Hey, everybody, give money to these people who are committing acts of terrorism." And a Republican goes, "That that bumbling dotard of an old woman, she can't have a lawyer." Now, now just to make it clear, you know, in, at Trump's inauguration, over two hundred people were arrested for violence, like. Um, assaulting police officers, burning cars, burning c- police cars, they all had their charges dropped, all dropped. And and here's what perplexes, and this is what frustrates me most. I, I, I run Look Ahead America. It's a, a voter registration organization, right? Why am I the one that has to write this letter? Huh. We're, like, wh- why? I'm just some, uh, you know, you know, a few. You have helped us out by bringing publicity to it. A few others um, have as well. But like, where's the the Republican political leadership standing up? These are their people. I think I think you just explained it very simply by uttering an oxymoron, Republican leadership. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work. You look at what Mitch McConnell was doing. You know, uh, were any of these Republicans fighting for? You know what? Just outside of impeachment, outside of Trump, outside of this, when do they fight for anything their constituents actually want, other than just tell people, "No, wait, don't." There was only one guy who ever did that. And who was that? Trump, the president. Yeah, I mean, he, he look. Many fair criticism of, but he never sent anybody's son off into a war that he started. Yep, he sent a lot of drones. We have this article from the Hill. I want to, I want to, I want to pull this up. Murkowski. I don't know how Trump could be elected again. Oh, Murkowski, please. People be look. This is what I tweeted. You give someone the option between a ham sandwich and you, and a lot of people are going to take it. You, you you put up Donald Trump, who's like, I'm going to fight for you and fight for these things. 
a lot more people are going to take it. That's why the guy won in the first place. He increased the amount of votes he received the second time around by what, 10 million? More than 10 million, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like 10 or 11 million, I think. Maybe more. Historic. And that was the most votes a sitting president ever got. In Be- history. In, in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then Joe Biden, of course, the greatest president who's ever lived, sent to just a ripple, a wave of, of charisma and energy ar- across this nation that really inspired everybody, garnering the most votes we've ever seen of any candidate ever. Remarkable man. His YouTube page definitely reflects it. It's true. Yeah. It might be signs of a trend that there are just more voters, more activated voters now since the well, that's internet. Exactly Look, the early, early on, Ian, you mentioned that there was more news and I was ta- I've been talking to a lot of people Dur- during the election. There were a ton of people I knew who had no business in politics, like just literally have never been involved. And they were so active and they knew everything. And now they're gone once again, huh. talking about nonsensical BS, you know, and I, I shouldn't be that mean. They're-, they're talking about just, you know, hokey stuff, the movie they went and saw and how their friend, you know, spilled a beer last night. And it's just normal stuff. But during the election, it was like, Trump is a fascist. We must stop him. Yeah. And everyone was cheering and dancing. And that was one of the most, one of the, one of these strategies of the Democrats and the left in terms of getting new votes is making it a cultural movement. So that really did help. It doesn't help when the candidate they were voting for is this like bumbling old dotard who, you know, you can't really understand when he yells, true on a shop at a pressure. But whatever. It's interesting times, to say the least. Well, I they- think. They took something seriously that the right has never taken seriously, which is voter registration. You know, putting aside, there's issues of illegal ballots. We're not going to talk about that. But after the election in Georgia, I went down and canvassed neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods that Stacey Abrams, with the help of massive millions of dollars from people like Zuckerberg, went down and registered to vote new voters and turned them out. And on our side, um, and I say this as a nonprofit, on the patriotic side, there's nobody doing that. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with Look Ahead. But um, that, when people look at those astounding numbers, I used to go to a big meeting of all the people on the right, okay, nonprofits, some partisan groups, um, once a week in D.C. It's a very famous meeting. I'm not going to name check it. But every year at the beginning of the year, I would get up and read the statistics of in key states, these are the number of new Democrats registered. These are the number of new Republicans registered. And the Democrats every year, it was a substantially higher number in all these swing states, higher and higher, higher. I would get, and these are very – the White House would be at this meeting, both houses of Congress, and – I would get up, I would give that little talk, I would walk into the lobby so people could come chat with me. Nobody cared. Nobody paid any attention because they were all focused on, you know, whatever was hot at the moment or, you know, some minor controversy that, that was long forgotten. But those are the things that pay dividends in the long run that the left has been doing it for, and, and you're right to point it out, the left has been doing it for a very long time. They're, they're not only organized politically with fundraising and with getting out the vote. They're organized in terms of the ability to riot and have legal observers present. They understand when they go and riot, destroy things, they wear masks. These these Trump people who went to the Capitol building were like smiling and waving for cameras, just totally oblivious to what was going on. Yeah, really interesting insurrection where in a country where everybody can or does have an AR, they didn't bring any. Well, I, 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 the karate style insurrection, right? Open hands. Well, not even that, the, the smiling, bumbling and, and respecting the velvet ropes. When Donald Trump was being inaugurated, 250 or so individuals got arrested, most mostly wearing all black and smashing windows and starting fires. And the police had no real way to charge anyone because they were wearing masks. So what did they do? They said conspiracy. And the judge said, are you nuts wearing a hoodie 
and a mask in public is not evidence of a conspiracy. And they tried arguing it was because you know what they were doing. We all know what they were doing. But at a legal standard, they didn't have enough. And these people all basically got released, except for those who pled, pleaded guilty. Yeah, yeah they where, took plea agreements. Where's but. the ACLU on this? I mean, I, I know what With they're tweeting. the left, what do you mean? I know what they're tweeting. I know that they're partisan. But historically, they represented, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, individuals and groups like the KKK. Uh, they fought for important values for free speech for everyone, regardless of that speech. And now they're they're tweeting about genders. The, the, and, and you yeah. would think, but but this is important here. But this is very critically important for them to understand this because this is essentially a right to regress, a right to protest that's going to be used as a way to stop other protests in the future. And if you care about protesting, if you care about speech, if you care about this huge hammer coming down on a group of individuals, whether you like them or you don't like them, yes, there are some bad apples. Yes. There were some bad events. Yes, there was some violence. It all gets uh, deserved to be called out. But but essentially, they're setting a precedent here that that's going to be very dangerous for them in the future. As of course, predictively, uh, as I've been saying, the the Biden administration is going to use this Orwellian power not just on the right but on the left what, very soon as well. When have they ever learned about how it comes back for them? They've been at, they've been demanding censorship for years, and now YouTube is cracking down on progressive YouTubers. Yeah, I remember. Oh, oh no! Yeah, oh, who I, could I have seen this coming? Back in the day, you know, even volunteering for the ACLU in New York City and being like, "I like this organization. I like these people. They stand up for free speech, no matter who it is, and they're fighting for individuals' liberties against the government." And 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 literally, I remember meeting with them. I remember spending my time as a teenager, being like, "These are the good guys doing something yes. that's right." And now, I mean, you know, and, and I'm, we I'm know so exactly what it happened. I'm so disappointed. What happened was D uh, Donald Trump announced there was going to be a moratorium on travel from seven, seven nations, and the ACLU all of a sudden saw a massive spike in donations. They were suing Donald Trump. So the left rallied around the ACLU. And then the ACLU defended the right of these alt-right individuals in Charlottesville, the right to hold their event. And the left went, how dare you, and started leaving the ACLU in droves. So the ACLU said, hold on a minute, guys. Should we uphold our principles or take money? And they took that sweet money because they didn't want to offend all those new donors who are pumping in those bucks. So now they've gone th from the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union to the Anti-Civil Liberties Union, literally advocating for censoring speech. That's the opposite of civil liberties. Amazing. The ACLU that you were talking about in your past, they got canceled. Yeah, canceled and converted. Yeah, well, I'm, so I'm so not happy about that. It's <laughs> it's infiltrate, destroy, rebuild. They they the these woke cultists kick the door in, slowly start taking positions of power, and then once the the woke mob on the outside cancels them, then the the woke people inside say, "See, here's what we have to do. It's what people want. When you say got to do it." Canceled? Were they like did people resign? No, it's it's that political pressure. They can't look. There was you may recall. You know, no one was really around back then, but the like there was American Nazi Party, and they would want to have a parade every year somewhere. And locals would say, we don't really want that in our neighborhood. But then the ACLU would, ACLU would show up and say, hey, they have a right to political speech. We're going to defend it. That takes a certain level of courage and fortitude. That that integrity from law students through law schools to practice is gone. Everybody is terrified of not conforming no. to, the, to what um, is – popular at the moment and and that the idea of somebody rebelling or standing up in opposition to what the the masses or the woke mob thinks it's pretty much disappeared on the left it doesn't it kind of disappeared i think with um justice kennedy because he was kind of the leader of that and 
Well, you know, you know, the problem is, look, I get it. Collectivists are going to be collectivists. The problem is there's no there's no counter to this. The Republican Party is basically the, you know, old dotard sitting in a rocking chair saying, now hold on there, mister. And that's all they do. There's no one actually there's very few, I should say. There are a lot of people that are speaking out against this. There's intellectual dark web types. There's the you know, there, there are some leftists who are anti woke. But for the most part, there's zero opposition. And what you have is a bunch of losers who I love it when they when people I know, even some of my friends, I'm very disappointed in them will be like, I just can't stand all this cancel culture stuff and this weird, like weird, like these weird ideologies they're pushing. And I'm like, oh, have you tried speaking up, speaking up against it? Oh, no. I, oh, no, not yeah. me. I couldn't do that. So well, then shut up and don't complain. Preemptively anymore. canceled themselves because of optics. They don't want to look. This bad. is this it's is cr- you, well, you, you know, you can do well, for those people that will they'll drive them nuts is bring back that old metaphor and say, well, first they came for Alex Jones and you didn't say anything. But they don't care. But they Look, love the, that. The, that. Love that these, metaphor. They, they, I talked to, a, I, I've got a bunch of friends who are regular people and they're just terrified and spineless. That's pathetic. And it's the definition it of pathetic. When yeah, you care what course. other people think about you. When no, you care what the audience thinks. It's not, it's not that they care what people think about them. Is that they're like, but I'll lose my job. Yeah, they're like, I can't speak out because of what they'll think. People, I love this because I've been saying it for years. They think that as the, the woke mob goes door to door, kicking it in and dragging people into the street, they say, if I just don't say anything, my house will be the one they skip. They didn't skip any of the doors. They didn't skip any of the houses. No. They're going door to door after every single industry. You will get canceled, period. Right. The, the, the only problem is, is you had an opportunity to stand up and speak up and you didn't do it. Now, I know a lot of people who watch this show probably did because, you know, if you're watching this, you're probably not happy with what's going on but too many people don't they won't and that's it there was a really horrifying twitter thread from james Lindsay. think you guys know james Lindsay? yeah he basically said it's over they won there's no winning this fight the best you can do is defend yourself don't back down stand up for what you believe in and hope it doesn't last that long Mm. but it could last centuries yeah don't fight it it's not a fight to take you can circumvent the problem and fix it from the outside without engaging in it the problem is you know, even if you look at the American Revolution, most people, like the plurality, are just scared and don't want to do anything. And that's really, really sad. It is. It's like you're watching a forest fire and there's someone saying, if you and I turn this hose on, we can make it go away. And you say, but I might get burned. I'd rather back away and watch the forest burn to the ground than do anything that brings risk to myself. And yet these people reap the benefits of those who are willing to sacrifice to make the world a better place. And that is one of the biggest, biggest problems we face in this country. For the longest time, it's always been, there's that meme of, there's this beautiful, like, there's this, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I guess you can call it a cliff. There's this, like, loving looking couple looking onto this beautiful city. And then underneath, it's a bunch of soldiers in the dirt holding them up. It's always been those who are willing to sacrifice, who provide for those who aren't. Yeah, and that, that's and and people need to accept responsibility for what's going on. That word sacrifice is like is like muted. It, it's been diffused. The power of the word, what it really means to sacrifice your your well being, whether it's that you're ridiculed in public or that you have to suffer trauma by seeing someone bleed out next to you, like that's alters you forever. It's not even that. It's that you might have to carry a rock. You might have to lift something. What's that? You got to pick up a heavy box. Something you don't want to do it. People would rather just lay around and be like, but it's so easy to do nothing and let evil people destroy everything. What's the saying? All that is required for evil to succeed is good. Me- is that good men, good do, men nothing? do nothing? I think it's Martin Luther King, right? 
I don't remember. Is I don't that think a, so. Yeah. I think it's older than Famous that. Famous quote. Shout out to Martin Luther King. But uh, here we are. That's What's, it. What's the answer, Luke? <sighs> I'm still. I'm, I'm looking up Chomsky and, and seeing what he's up to because he also a couple de- decades ago was very strong in favor of free speech and standing up for everyone. He has this famous quote that I just looked up that I uh, I want to share with everyone, and he said, "Quote: Goebbels was in favor of free speech for views he liked. So was Stalin." If you're really in favor of free speech, then you're in favor of freedom of speech for precisely the views you despise. Otherwise, you're not in favor of free speech. And I absolutely agree with him. And he was a major important figure that was standing up for people's individuals, liberties, and speech no matter what it was. And now he wrote an article that is comparing the coup attempt being closer to the center of power than Hitler's 1923 Chomsky did? Yes, Chomsky. This is truth out. Uh, I'm reading the article right now, and uh, I'm still trying to get to the kind of basis I was reading when you guys were talking about. But uh, essentially, you know, he calls what happened a coup attempt, and he's comparing it to Hitler's rise in power. Well, so you know, I don't know to tell you, yeah. man. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier who just, they don't care. Time Magazine puts out an article where they're just laughing in the faces of everybody. And these regular people are like, well, you know, I don't care. And I'm like, have you asked yourself why it is that you're working two minimum wage jobs to try and pay your bills? Have you asked yourself why it is that your business was shut down and you lost your job for months? Have you asked yourself why it is that you're on your knees begging the government to please cut you some scraps? And there are a lot of people who aren't doing that. Do you wonder why it is there are a lot of people who are currently getting by and doing just fine and you're the one who is being subjugated? Could it be that it's because the other people have stood up and walked away from this and found a way to be responsible for themselves and take care of themselves? But you just keep saying, please let me lick the bottom of your shoe. Okay, you know what? I'll tell you this. You're under no obligation to lick anybody's shoe. But if you really want to, far be it from me to stop you. So I'll be out in the middle of nowhere, kind of just doing my thing and talking about what I want to talk about and playing games and skateboarding and all that stuff. And if you really want to live under the boots of these people and you refuse to do anything about it, then don't expect anyone to come save you. When you get evicted from your apartment, you're living in the streets. That's what's coming next. The moratorium on evictions will end soon. These people haven't paid their bills and there's been no COVID relief. Even if Joe Biden cuts these $1,400 checks, it's not going to pay the seven or eight months of back rent. These people are all going to find themselves in the street and the Democrats won't give you anything. They said they were going to give you $2,000 checks. No, 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 I'm sorry. That was supplemental. That was only $1,400 because you already got $600, right? All right. Well, well, that kind of makes sense. Then they said, oh, and by the way, we said everyone, we actually meant means tested. So if you make more than $50,000 a year, you'll still get evicted because your cost of living probably is higher living in New York City and you make too much. Sorry. Goodbye. The street is the place for you. Are they measuring that 50 grand based on last year's? Thing so if you're unemployed no. right now and you make it's just 50 if you grand make if year? you make fifty grand they start diminishing your your uh, the, the stimulus. So if you're on a salary to projected to make fifty grand this year or is it like what? It's probably the previous year. Are but, you sure? Because I swear repeatedly and over and over again, Biden and his whole campaign team were tweeting about no, you elect me two thousand dollar checks right away, right oh, out yeah, the door. I remember that's that. a Don't good you, point. Am I did I imagine that? No, uh-huh. you did not. You didn't. No, you and how do you say this this means tested thing about fifty grand when it's like, okay, what if you live in New York and what if you live in yeah, Omaha? My rent the was three thousand dollars a month in San Francisco four years ago. And and so the people in New York who haven't been paying it, and the people in Chicago and LA who who they can't pay it are sitting here licking the boots of Democrats saying, you know, we're just gonna, we're just gonna cross our fingers and hope this is the time they give us what we need. 
No, they shut your businesses down. They took your jobs away and then they gave you nothing. And now you're going to get kicked out. And you're going to live in the street. I keep you thinking about this Rockefeller. I, OK, I don't know enough about it to really pin this all on John D. Rockefeller. But when they kind of revolved the school industry in the 1920s, when they were kind of attempting the coup of the Federal Reserve and all this in 1910, 1920, they built a new school system. Where we raise our hands, wait for the bell. We're basically learning to be factory workers. Might have been earlier than the 20s. I don't really know the details. If any of you guys do, please, please fill in the gaps. But it seems like they they succeeded in turning us into subservient wage slaves. And now people think going to work means misery. Like they just have like, I have to go to work. Well, work, you're creating work. If you pay attention to what work is in science, it's energy creation. Oh, it's, it's measured in joules. It's, it's worse than that. You know, actually... um. Sometimes I have a nephew and I share talks with him and I, t- I speak to him a little bit. I try to um, undermine the conformity that gets imposed on folks like that in the public school system. I said, hey, you know, the, the company that builds your school, if you look around at the architecture of it, it's the same company that builds the prison and they look exactly the same. There was they a kid, the was same a, way. There's a little kid in Chicago who was thrown into a padded room and they locked the door and walked away because he was having a temper tantrum. They put him in solitary confinement. And then the kid just like cried and then soiled his pants. That's, that, that, that's, that's what's going on. And you know what it is? These people in cities, they keep voting for the same thing. So I look at this, this data showing the hyperpolarization. The, reds, the, the red areas get redder. The blue areas get bluer. People who live in red areas who are blue move to cities because they want to be around you know, people who are blue. And people who live in cities who are red, they move to the countryside. They get away from the, the blue areas. Hyperpolarization is getting worse. And from this, you'll end up with Democrat-controlled supermajorities in places like California where they burn the system to the ground and people keep voting for it, thinking if we just keep sticking our hand in the fire, eventually it will stop burning. That's where we're at right now. The only thing I can see on the horizon is chaos. I've got, I know people who have been out of work for months. They can't pay their bills. And they're like, I'm so angry with the Democrats. I'm like, you voted for them. OK, look, I, I get it. It's not like the Republicans are going to do anything for you. But what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to help you. It's just going to get worse. Eventually, it doesn't matter what side anyone's on, their their heads are going to figuratively explode. Yeah. That was the punishment in my high school is it was solitary confinement from eight to three. They would just keep you in a room isolated by yourself. Can't talk to anyone. I actually held the record for the most suspensions and consecutive days of like solitary confinement in school. But as you said, you know, they look exactly the same. They are exactly the same like prisons. The Rockefeller thing is something important because he was in he was instrumental in creating the modern school day which again resembles the modern day of a factory worker with exact breaks with exact work shifts and and the it's bell ringing and and, yep. and exactly it's just meant to teach people to rinse and repeat rinse and compliance repeat. and then and then homeschooling is something that's attacked something that's looked down on when in reality homeschooled kids are getting a far better education than those in public school trust me i went to public school there's a reason i still can't spell and mess up my words daily it's not just the Polish. But but when you compare American schools to Chinese schools, when you compare the intelligence levels of, of, of Chinese people compared to American people, uh, we have something extremely worrisome that's going to be affecting us. And I think there's a reason people keep saying idiocracy is becoming more and more of a documentary because it is. And they, it's becoming real life. They did a poll of young people in the U.S. and China, and they asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And people in the U.S. said influencers, YouTubers, Instagram, and kids in China said astronauts. You know, that's a, I have a little anecdote. Um, I worked for eight years as a mentor and tutor to inner city children in D.C. Um, 
and I would help them with their math and English, but also have one-on-one sessions with them. Um, sort of, these are kids who, who didn't have like an adult male in their household growing up, right? So great program. But, um, I remember sitting in front of the classroom one day and just sort of talking about the realism of careers and choices. I said, okay, who here is going to be a, you know, what do you guys want to do? And overwhelmingly, they were all either going to be professional basketball players or professional football players. And when you have it in your mind, you're going to be a professional of athlete. Suddenly, the time you spend after school doing your homework, oh, that's a waste of time. You want to be on the court or practicing, et cetera, et cetera, not, you know, looking at the realism uh, or the reality of, of how unlikely it is. Whereas getting a job as an accountant or some other professional is easily within reach if you just keep a few things in line. The problem is we used to have apprenticeship. We used mm-hmm. to have, you know, you're a guy and you're a, you, you work in a factory and you, your kid, you know, let's say you're you a blacksmith or whatever, your kid would watch and learn from you and then pick up the trade and then the business would stay in the family and expand. Then we moved into the era of the massive corporation where there are mid-level jobs that you can't really hand down to your kids. You know, like the famous accountant brought his kid to work to learn to be an accountant doesn't really happen. Then life stopped becoming about your passions and what you were good at. And it became about finding some menial task to build a machine. As we hyper-specialized everything, it made less sense to have our children be an apprentice, and they went to school to work to essentially learn to be factory workers with shifts, and the bell would ring, and they'd get up, and they'd move to the next room. And that's where we're at now, where these people, a lot of these people, and I can understand this, are snapping because they find no meaning in these menial tasks. Many of these people are becoming communists, thinking that, well, someone else is doing work, I should get a piece of it. And I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to roll up your sleeves, go out in the backyard, start chopping lumber, Get fire going, cook your own food, grow your own food, and just be responsible for yourself for once in your life. But but not only that, not only do the jobs that are available, are, are, are they cruddy, do they suck, but, but there's very little of them available for the average person. And if they do have them, they usually have to be countered with social government programs like welfare, which, of course, companies like Amazon exploit heavily, which, of course, McDonald's also does as well, which actually subsidizes uh, their workforce by American taxes. And, and the local workforce that actually does make a little bit of money, that is still still out there. But when we look at robotics, when we look at immigration, when we look at work visas, all of this is eliminating any opportunity for economic growth and economic prosperity in this country, and there's none left. Right. But it, maybe there's a plateau. Like, is everyone going to be Elon Musk? Of course not. But but when we're talking about, you know, you know jobs and opportunities, it used to be looked upon as, as something that you were proud of. Now, a lot of people hate their jobs, hate what they're doing and they don't want to be doing it and they're not fulfilled, whether that is because of our emotional manipulated state or whether that is because of the larger socioeconomic conditions. I think it's both of those things. And I think there might be even a third factor that we're not even considering here uh, that we don't even know of yet. But essentially what we're seeing is is a miserable class of working people that have been beat up, that have been assaulted and have been thrown behind, left behind by the corporate establishment that doesn't give a damn about them. Well, you know, what's driving this as you hit on it is... Basically, uh, corporations leaning on Washington to allow essentially unlimited e- illegal labor across the border, which is cutting away a lot of those initial jobs that people might have. You say Americans don't want anymore. Okay, fine. You know what job Americans love doing that they're told to learn to do is code. And yet you have these mega corporations bending the rules every which way to get every possible H-1B visa worker in here, et cetera, et cetera, which are doing two things. It's driving down the wages and you have people at Disney World 
who are, who are running the IT systems having to train their own replacements and their own senator, Marco Rubio, doesn't do anything about it, doesn't raise an issue. And those not only is it driving wages down, but it's also driving housing costs up, which is a, one of the biggest expense people's, people have. And you can sort of see this explosion in uh, work visas for professional jobs coming into this country and a steady decline of the median income of middle-class Americans just going down and down and down while, you know, at the top you have people like Bezos, et cetera, exploding. Why? Because they're exploiting um, this beautiful market by bringing in people who's essentially did not help create it to sort of more or less exploit them. It's essentially the, slave labor. The, the, yeah. the most insidious thing about the learn-to-code narrative, which they still pursue when now they're talking about union jobs going, well, maybe they can learn to code. Make solar panels. They're telling you when they say learn to code, they're saying compete with people who live in Poland, Romania, Ukraine, places where the, the cost of living is substantially lower. And the amount of money that you need to pay to somebody who works in who is working out of Ukraine is very, very low relative to someone who has to live in, in the United States. The cost of living in the U.S., an apartment in New York City, like you said, Ian, like three grand. That's the average cost of an apartment in New York City, I'm pretty sure. Well, now it's probably collapsed, but for a while it was. Let's say you're only renting a room. And in a three bedroom, three bedroom is going to cost like 35 to four grand. So you're going to be spending like a thousand twelve hundred a month. You could pay half that to someone who codes in Ukraine. And they would be getting eh, an average wage, making 600 bucks, 600 bucks a month. So when these companies are outsourcing, and you mentioned H1B visas, it's worse than that. You can just hire all digital work for any company anywhere in the world. It's that easy. And it's there's a big time value of it because you want people working while you're sleeping. You need 24-7 access on your, especially for, for tech. You need like a, an Indian branch so that they can go 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. You don't. A. We, well, used to, we used to hire the night shift. Or you just need people to work the night shift. Yeah, we call it the graveyard which shift. Is ex um, but what's making me think is that what is the Americans like the 1% wealthiest people in the world? We have been. If you have making $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. That's shifting now. Those That 1% is coming from other countries. So these people in America are swiftly becoming left behind and may find themselves in the bottom 98% if they're Reg not already. Regular Americans. Yeah. The rich are getting richer. Yeah, right. like people that whose parents were totally fine. We're in the one percent they're not now well look right i mean this is one of the things that uh is in second phase for look at america but what we're going to start pushing is something called something that's been forgotten in this country i think by so many is economic patriotism so you need to think about who you're hiring and what kind what kind of world that's going to bring in the future do you want to have a strong america for your children and generations to come that means buying american that means hiring american that means paying a little bit more so that we as a country can continue to remain strong. You know what? I, I almost don't think there is an America anymore. I mean, obviously... That's what I'm fighting. That notion, it is incredibly pervasive and poisonous and difficult to fight against it. But, you know, torpedoes well, the, the, be damned. The issue is the media is completely fractured. The Daily Beast says that it is an alt-right conspiracy, this, this lab leak hypothesis. They, they criticize Bill Maher and Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying for even talking about it. And day uh, a month earlier... You actually had the New York New York Mag putting out the, the big story about the Lab League hypothesis. So it's like if the Daily Beast and the New York Mag are both prominent mainstream outlets, and they're both telling us totally different things, that you're a Nazi if you believe it, or it may actually be true, no one has any idea what to actually believe, and, and, and there's no unified culture. I was looking at Gallup polls. We go back to approval ratings to, say, Eisenhower to JFK. And the divide between Democrats and Republicans in approval was like 30, 
32-28, meaning, yeah, 65% of Republicans would approve and then 30% of Democrats, but it was fairly like, you know, everybody was kind of eh. Now it's Joe Biden, it's worse than it's ever been. 87 is the gap. Donald Trump was 76. The hyperpolarization is getting to the point where there is not one, but two different Americas right now. Because of that, I don't think that there's an actually cohesive America. It's split into two different entities. Yeah. And and right now you have, you know, uh, CNN and all these outlets. Like, like, like I mentioned, the Daily Beast could tell you it's an alt-right conspiracy theory. And the Washington Post can literally put an article saying it's a high, strong hypothesis we must consider. So which one do you pick? Which side are you on? Which which America do you fall in? Because you can't be in both at the same time. Either you're an alt-right Nazi for believing it, or even Washington Post is pushing the idea, and so is Bill Maher. But it's it's not even about a clear divide. It's about mass confusion. And I know, cue all the super chats about Yuri Bezmenov. Hey, we're here. How can there be a functioning America if no one can agree on any set of facts, and it's almost intentional on the part of the media? You, you know, there was a great line in President Trump's first inaugural address that uh, that I kind of hang on to is that um, through love of country, we'll again learn to love each other. And I think that the solution to this, and look, I'm not saying I'm going to win, I'm not saying it's going to prevail. I'm saying this: the fight only ends when we stop fighting it. And that is basically patriotism. We've got to unify again around love of country. And that's why it's so, we have to speak out so loudly when we see people disrespecting the symbols of the country, like kneeling at a football game when they're doing the national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you're right. It's a battle. And it's, it's I know I've seen people on Twitter saying, oh, we've lost the country. It's over. But it's only over when we stop fighting. You know, I value the, the U.S. Constitution heavily. and But I wonder if I see automation on the horizon in, in a way we've never anticipated. And if it's not so much about the borders of the United States, but if it's about the Constitution and proliferating that concept globally, I mean, the the, or the news organizations are already global. They've fractured us. Our, our economy is global. It's been, you know, poverty's fractured so more than it's ever been in this country. And it seems like it's expanded. The wealth gap is expanding. So what, rather than, at least the way I'm trying to go into it is, is like some sort of economic parody. Like, I, this is why I love Andrew Yang. I don't know how you guys feel about his, his, you know, monthly fee or whatever they call it, UBI, universal basic income. That doesn't work. Well, neither do what is what we're doing. So maybe it doesn't work less than what we're doing now. Texas is working great. Florida's working great. But what do you mean? It's New York that's in the, sh I can't, <laughs> well, you know, in the crapper. When in the crapper. California's great, the crapper. The government's making is fiscally solvent. Is that what you mean? Working great? Yeah. Jobs are exploding. People are happy. Kids are going to school. But there's a lot of poverty through, laced throughout. There's, there's, there's way more, po way more homeless in California than anywhere else in the developed world. Po poverty is a relative okay, thing. It, well, it depends on the definition of developed world. I'll, I'll clarify that. But, but poverty is sort of a relative thing. Somebody who's relatively poor today would be essentially a king 50 years ago and so in terms of what they've got right. but the, it's not it's not the poverty per se it's the ability to get out of it and if you set your mind to it what obstacles do you have to surmount and again you look at a state like florida or texas or some of these other successful red states but you look at new york or you look at california yeah it's a dumpster and you have to start thinking about why so for thinking about equality of opportunity giving them the ability to get out of the poverty state that's where ubi i like but not doesn't, doesn't be do money that. you just need access to opportunity you just need UBI will do that. and and a government that's out of your way and 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 basically a community for you to grow up in where people basically support each other and there's there's trust and it's easy to 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 work through that society it's very difficult in a, in a place where Basically, neighbors all hate each other. There was a meme going around that said, only crazy people believe government should solve the problems that government caused. <laughs> and, 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 and when we look at the larger problems, I mean, when we look at what we're dealing with, 
it has the direct blueprints of our government selling out to the special interests in a way that, of course, is not capitalistic, that is not free enterprise, in a way that is collusion, uh, that they're, that they're colluding, in a way that they're doing it secretly, in a way that they're conspiring, that's screwing everyone else over. And if you think the government could, could take more money from its citizenry and redistribute it fairly accurately, uh, you got you got to be you got another thing coming. You know, we wouldn't need UBI if we didn't have these corrupt worker visa programs and unlimited illegal immigration. There would be no need for it. You would be able to get a decent job. You would be able to to start a family at you know in your mid twenties and be able to get a house. All those things would be feasible. It's this has been taken away from us by our government that is serving these international globalist corporations. That's the pro- what the, the the problem is. They're simultaneously. Uh, well, as you mentioned, with it's not just illegal immigration, it's immigration in general. That means you're adding to the labor market in very, very large numbers. But business isn't developing that fast. And it's outsourcing. So if, if one person, and, and outsourcing, like I mentioned, the coding thing, the digital world is going to rapidly change this in a lot of, in a lot of crazy ways. Uh, automation is going to change this. And that means we're, you combine that with, with, with immigration. You, the, the labor market's going to explode and there's going to be no jobs for people. I've often like fancifully thought that we're evolving out of a monetary society in general, that money is kind of like a transition period and we're almost post, not post scarcity, but post money. Maybe, you know, they say currency. I make the metaphor that like electricity is current currency and that maybe the future of currency is your access to electricity that you can build and make the things you need to succeed in life. You don't really need money. We don't have replicators, man. Not That's yet. That's not true. But well, like, I don't know we're, if we're, it feels like we're on the cusp of something like that. And we're, we're trying to solve this problem with money, but the problem is the money. The problem is you've got people who propose UBI. Well, that would basically mean people in cities get free money and don't have to work. And the people who live in the countryside have to still farm and do a lot of backbreaking work. So like free, Won't work. free electricity, maybe if you could give people free electricity. But how would you give them free electricity? There's no such thing as free. Yeah. Somebody no. has to do the labor to produce it. No matter what that labor is. And that means the cost is always there. Be it, I'll give you this bottle of water in exchange for your labor. You paid so the cost for give it. give someone the opportunity to create their own electricity. How? Riding a bike every day. I don't know. So Just, who's going to make the bike? Who's um, going to make well, the generator? Specialists. You know, that's, and then you got to pay them. So it's not free. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need money to pay people. You just need electricity. No, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to trying to solve this you, in a you, different you, way. You, this, this is what, something we see very often on the left is the idea that money is a thing. That money is the driver when money is just an idea that, that tra- allows transactions. It doesn't matter if you're giving someone a bottle of shampoo or a sandwich. That's what you are paying. I could pay you in seashells if you valued seashells. I could pay you in old shoes if you valued shoes. There will always be a cost for producing, the, producing something because things need other things to exist. If you want to make a bike, you need rubber. You need metal. You, mean, you need someone to make the gears. You need the labor of putting it all together. And you can't just have people do it for free. Unless you have a gun, Some I sort suppose, of trade. slavery. Well, there's nothing free, Ian. The government has to take it from someone else and then give it to someone else. There's there's nothing that the government does that is free. Well, you get you you know what money is though. It's just a temporary store of value. So let's say I had a bicycle and it broke, and you said, "Well, I'll fix your bicycle for you." And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. That sounds good. I have a cow. I'll give you a gallon of milk. But I'll give you a gallon of milk a week from now. But you know, just to keep track of things, I'm going to give you like a little note that says this note is good for one gallon of milk a week from now. I hand it to you." And then you give it to him to pay for some cabbages. That's all money is. It's just a reflection of a value that we had already. It, it's a placeholder. That's yeah, it. and they've they've kind of decommodified it, so it's like this a is, general placeholder for any. I like it works, and it's a fantastic evolutionary process that we've come across currency that it was invented and that we use it. But this is what I said during the need to be the way. I think this is what I said during the lockdown that 
Only after the last supermarket has closed, the last dairy farm has dumped all of their milk into the ground, and the last farm has, you know, shoved all the crops back underground, will these leftists realize you can't eat money. It's, an, it's a play on an old saying about only after the last river is polluted and the last forest destroyed. It's a Native American saying, I believe. And all these leftists got really mad at me for saying it because, I mean, it's a very simple bit of logic. The money isn't the food. UBI doesn't give you anything. What is that value in that check? It's nothing. It's basically saying someone did work somewhere and you should have access to it. Sure. But does that mean there are going to be people who are willing to work in exchange for nothing or for less? It creates a massive inequality. You'll have people who live in big cities, and you already do, who don't work and get access to the resources produced by farmers who do work and live out in the middle of nowhere. The general idea for many of these leftists is that you shouldn't be allowed to own what you make. That's it. The means of production are controlled by the people, and what you produce belongs to everyone. So you start seeing these really messed up scenarios with the system. In North Korea, for instance, if there's a family, a community, I'm sorry, because not a family, there's a community that has access to cows. Now, the cows belong to everyone, to the people. So what happens is one day the cow dies and all the people in that community look at it and say, we should eat this. You can't because it belongs to everyone. So what happens is the guards will come and take the meat and it gets distributed across the entire nation, which is ridiculous really hard to do, and results in some people getting spoiled meat. So sometimes when the cow is dying, they'll have no choice but to secretly steal and eat it, and you get sent to the gulag for that. The problem is, if you want to create a society where everyone's equal and everyone gets access, no matter where you are and what you do, you create a wildly inefficient system that can't transport resources properly, and it ends up with people doing a ton of work and some people doing literally no work. You have people in North Korea, this is amazing, I love this, their job is to be a skateboarder. It sounds like magic to most skateboarders in, this, in the United States. They have skate parks in North Korea where there's, there are kids who skate and their job is you must be good at skateboarding so that we can produce good skateboarders and make good videos because other people in the world want to buy that access to videos. They want to buy the content. They want to buy the product and we want to be competitive. So they don't do any work other than just going skating. And that sounds like paradise to a lot of people until you realize that once you develop that system, they're not going to make you the skateboarder. They're going to make you go mine sulfur and there's going to be 10 skateboarders and your teeth are going to fall out of your mouth. That's what you get when you get these systems. It doesn't work. And we've seen it over and over again. But you get a large enough population of dumb people to scream and demand it. They get their fingers into the institutions and then you are left with a bunch of spineless, fat, wealthy or well-off Americans, and I don't mean the general wealth, I mean of the world. And so long as they are fed, they will not stand up and they will, they will not defend their values. And that that's what allows these lunatics to take over and destroy everything. Do you support unemployment insurance, social security? Yes. Um, so like government handouts, basically, the government supplies you with something. You pay the, you pay for those things. So that's not a government handout. The, I don't. You don't support so, that. So, not, especially not Social Security. It's a scam. Well, but that's not the same thing as UBI because Social Security is basically – it's worse than you paying for it. It actually was stolen from you, and you could have put that money into almost any other investment and come out like a millionaire yeah. with wealth you could give to your kids. Instead, the government steals it and gives you a pittance of a percentage of interest. So um, unemployment insurance is actually it's, – it's not – 
it's funded by people paying it. Like we all have to pay it because we're again, nothing's free. You pay social security. And if you were able to invest that money, even independently, you'd get way more money than the little bit that the government gives back to you that you paid into. And then anyway, they're in the United States. They're taking that money and literally investing it into the stock market and, and it's screwing people over on, on levels that are just absolutely crazy to the point where we're at right now, where there's even some people saying that there might not be enough money for other people's social security, even though if they paid for it. They've been saying that since the 90s. And they've yeah. been, and, and you, we've had past presidents raid social security for use in other areas. But yep. if, let me, let me clarify. I support the ideas. Of yeah, me too. We all pitch in, and then when someone falls on hard times, we pick them up. So uh, Jack Murphy was talking about this on one of his shows recently about the U.S. Constitution being written for an agrarian society in the 1700s, and it, and it reflects that, a lot of the things in the Constitution. Like what? Uh, you know, uh, right like to carry right. a weapon. You can't do it in New York City, but you can do it when you're That's walking on the farm. That's not got to do with an agrarian society. Do, yeah. And, well, and I mean, you could bear written, arms in New York City. It had nothing to do with farms. You just can't walk around with an AR in, in New York City. You used to be able to. Yeah, you used, you used to, be to be able to. You used to be able to have a warship in the docks. Yeah, you of, used of to be able to when we were Battery Park. mainly an agrarian society. But, you, but, but it has nothing to do with agrarian. You could, Philadelphia and New York were not agrarian when the Constitution was signed. But the entire society was that they built no, the constitution around more no, they, or less i mean it was like pastoral literally you know was no. absolutely not there was some industry but it was set late and, and you can still walk with a, a firearm around dallas or houston yeah, but or not but we've had, to, we've had to alter it slightly as we, we as our society to. changes we because it's a 220 year old document so you got to alter it as we go so no no, no well, hold, that's, on, that's hold on hold on hold on people in 1776 had private warships they could literally lay siege to new york if they chose to do it mm-hmm. You can't have warships. You could also anymore. have slaves in 1780 because it made a lot of sense. You can't. Do and that we amended at, the Constitution. Yeah, we, we changed it. The so, point is, the right so to bear arms had nothing to do point. with agrarian. Okay, society. well, let's talk about the slavery clause. Then you're fine. Slaves were fine in 1780. They're not fine anymore. We changed. So we're, we maybe we should rewrite a Bill of Rights for the Internet age, where we're, we we give ourselves these unalienable opportunities: access to electricity, access to running water. Access to a place to Who live. Who provides those things? Well, we would provide it to ourselves through tax, well, whatever you want to call it, taxes no, 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 or no, 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 something no, no. like that. Someone has to do that labor, bro. As opposed to UBI. It would be something more like you have a, Who you have is things. going to build the system and maintain it to give you water? You know, I actually went to a country where they intended to do that. They tried to do it and ensure equity. And I saw equity with my own eyes. It was a tower of skulls, five stories high. The killing fields of Cambodia, the aftermath of the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot, trying to execute exactly this vision. So I, I know it sounds good and well, sounds appealing. Equity but of what? Equity of opportunity. Life equity of, of outcome. No, it's uh, but uh, opportunity. You're talking about outcomes. I'm talking about opportunity. No, no you said you're talking about outcomes. No, you got to have pro- gas. You got to have internet. You have to have yeah, water, healthcare, etc. As a basic opportunity. That's, that's not an opportunity. <laughs> well, what can you, if you don't have clean water, you're done. But that's not an opportunity. It is and, an opportunity to survive. And that's already kind of our local communities have passed laws to ensure that. Thank for God. Us. And if they but, hadn't, you would no. But then, who, but who drinks tap water anyway? We're going to Costco, buying it from them. Well, a lot of people drink tap water and they filter it and et cetera, et cetera. But okay, so they what get if a you didn't have electricity from, from in this Costco? society and you couldn't get it, you'd be done. You you what? You'd be chopping you think we have? Wait, wait. Here's a, here's your problem. You think that we have electricity because of the government? And we don't. We have a centralized electric grid that we, you know, we have we electricity because of the ingenuity of, of and entrepreneurship of, of the American people. Yeah, we don't need a government to do uh, this stuff. I just want, I like the opportunity. How do you, how do you guarantee I, someone water and electricity if they're homeless? You know, you can provide the opportunity. You can't make them take What's it. The, well, how do you give someone the opportunity to drink water and have electricity if they're homeless? 
create water stations, electrical charging. Who's going to build the water stations? Who's going to build the electrical stations? Me, Tim. Me and a bunch of no, robots. no, no. Come on, you have and no. You. There's no. There, and it we'll hire work. people to do it. And who pays for it? We can. No, that's, that's meaningless. It's utopian I nonsense. Mean, when you get into politics, that's why you get into politics. You say tax money. That's the answer. If you want to do t- social so, listen, programs, you get the people to pay taxes and come together and do I it. I want to take from you, Ian, so I can give to Matt. That's basically what you're saying. I would like to produce so we can all have, Tim. You, you, you mentioned that slavery should be wrong. It's a wrong and it should be illegal. Yet we, we, we still have a system. First of all, the 13th Amendment, as Kanye West pointed out, still allows for slavery with prisons. And we saw Kamala Harris take advantage of that in a very disgusting way, having people fight wildfires at their own, risking their lives. That's what, that's, that, that's not saying anything about it. But taxation is a particular problem, not in and of itself. It's the, the fact that you have a corrupt government that takes from people to spend on nonsense overseas. Now, the concept of taxation, I'm not one of these laissez-faire capitalists who thinks that taxation is theft. I think the manipulation of our current political system is, for the most part, theft, because they're taking from us, from our labor at a time when we are most desperate and giving it to Pakistan for for gender studies programs. They're giving it to Sri Lanka for speedboats. And regardless of whether you agree with it or not, they're giving it to other countries. They're putting it in Afghanistan, Iraq. They're putting it in Israel. They're putting it in Yemen. They're putting it in Sudan for military purposes because we support or oppose certain regimes. They're spending money in, in, in Syria. Why? We are losing, we are bleeding jobs. Our economy's in the gutter. People are desperate for any amount of money to pay their bills. Now that's theft. When you've got someone who's on their knees begging, please, I just need to drink water. I need a building I can live in. And they say, well, we're going to take some of your money and give it to Syria and Yemen. That's theft. It's brutal. It is. Yeah, I agree. I don't like paying taxes and not knowing where they go, not having control over it. But if we could focus energy and money or whatever into a program together that's transparent, That'd be cool. Yeah, I think the problem is always corruption. The left tries to claim that what's going on right now is the is the intended consequence of capitalism. That's not true. And when people point to what, what happens in these communist countries, these things are also deviations from what the ideology ideology dictates. Perhaps it's because it's impossible to have a communist system as the ideology dictates. And perhaps given a long enough period of time, maybe it's a short period of time, maybe it's longer, capitalism devolves into a corrupt crony system where people manipulate the system for personal gain and strip your resources away using power. Yeah, power force. Yeah, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. You would be way better off instead of asking and demanding the government to do something than you doing it with private enterprise voluntarily with other people around you that say, hey, there's this project. Let's fund it. Let's do it. Let's let's do something entrepreneurial that will actually help people and incentivize people to do the right thing. You have a way better chance of getting success that way than beating at the doors of big government that's infiltrated by big tech, by the corporate globalist monopolies and saying, hey, take more money from these people. What, what are they going to do with that money? They're going to take it for themselves and they're going to give you a, a half ass program that doesn't work, that doesn't do anything. You look at all the basic social services in the United States. Some of, so, so many of them are corrupt. So many of them provide a- inadequate services to say the least. And for them to get more money, more power to, to be incentivized on their corruption, on their middleman gangster like activity is, is just pointless. You're better off doing it on your own. What? I question, I agree with you to a point because I think if we started like a private, quasi private public enterprise that was able to raise money to build electricity and water and housing for people, it's some, if it was a profit, then we would start to make money. And then when do we prevent ourselves from becoming corrupted? We need like a government oversight. We need some sort of protection so that we or whoever we pass the company to doesn't. You know, it's just, uh, corruption happens. 
And given a long enough period of time, you'll start to see corruption. So I agree. I think we need I, I'm in favor of a mixed economy with with certain regulations. But then what happens when the system just becomes more and more corrupt and nobody wants to actually deal with the tough questions and the hard problems? One of the issues I think we have as a country is that we're extremely wealthy, all of us, every single one. And so we're, you know, to put it simply, fat and happy. We got our food. We got our McDonald's. We got our chicken wings. We got our Super Bowl. Now, the ratings are down, mind you, but people were just sitting around saying, why bother? It's so easy to just sit. Look, it's so easy to be a middle manager at at, at a cracker factory and not have to think about any of this stuff and just go home and eat your ice cream and watch a football game. It's easy. Why ask the hard questions? Why put yourself at risk? You've got it made. Now things are getting harder. We saw in 2008 with the destruction of people's lives. This sparked a populist uprising. It was fractured by identity politics. We're still in that mess. People started losing and life started becoming harder. Now with COVID, as things become harder and harder, I think we're on the verge of people just basically having their heads explode because now they're actually becoming desperate. Now they're actually going to lose their homes. Now they don't actually have jobs. Now they're actually going hungry. Now you're going to see angry people. I don't know when. A lot of people are just sitting here with their fingers crossed. I, I love that song because there was, there was a meme someone posted that Leonard Cohen, he, he, he warned us with that song. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the dice was loaded, but they all rose with their fingers crossed. Yeah, right. Come on. We know it's coming up. It's coming up for the establishment. They're going to keep extracting our resources. They're going to solve none of our problems. And to me, it feels an awful lot like the p- political establishment in this country knows probably since 2008. We are doomed. So extract as much as you can, transfer it to foreign companies so that that value will survive after the, the implosion. And now here we go. I wish they didn't do that because there's like resilience is kind of a natural phenomenon of humanity, of life in general. You know, you see that meme of the plant br- growing through the cracks in the cement and breaking cement apart so that it can life can flourish. So like to, to intentionally s- sabotage it and destroy it quicker makes doesn't make sense to me. I think that it th- there is a natural tendency to thrive and survive. So these people, these people extracting as much as they can as the ship goes down, I think they're just trying to make the ship go down when maybe it wouldn't go down. I think if everybody was bailing water, the ship would survive. But a lot of people are like, well, nobody else is bailing water, so I better just take as much as I can and get out of here. The, the, only, the only antidote, I, I know that uh, this affected liberal might may, uh, chafe at this, but the only answer we really have here is, is nationalism, is patriotism. Because that's the only thing that can pull us together because money is not going, money is not going to do it. Just pursuit of cash and wealth. Um, there's no unity there. There's nothing because America faces a very unique challenge and a very unique challenge because when you look at other countries, fundamentally what almost every other country in the world is, is an extended family. Those people are all related to each other. They all kind of Irish, Ireland. They, they're a bunch of Catholics, but they're essentially all related. So they all have like this, a lot in common. And they, you'd no sooner steal from your, your neighbor in one of these countries than you would from your own family because you're that close. America historically has not really had that, um, central, we're not a descendant of a single people. And, with this, you know, with our stratification, if everybody has a different origin story coming here, you have American descendants of slaves, and then you have people like uh, Kamala Harris, who are like a slave somewhere else, and then came here, and folks from all over the world here. That's what that's what our challenge is, and the only solution to bring that together to, to bring because you don't have this divisiveness in other in these other countries that are formed in the more traditional way, like Poland. They're all related. They're all family. We have to overcome that here, and the way you overcome that is is through patriotism, through nationalism, through love of country. Because there, 
if we're going to get out of it, out of this, that's the only way out of it. There's no other way out of it. Otherwise, everything else is just uh, continued division, fractionalism between red and blue states along uh, divisions and, and race and everything else. The only thing we have to pull us together is this sense of nationalism and national unity. So that's that's basically what Look Ahead America is all about, fighting for and reminding people of. And we have precedents for this. We have precedents for this in, in folks like in places like Singapore or India, which is actually even more diverse than the United States is. People don't realize that in, in terms of languages, in terms of religions, et cetera, et cetera, is far more fractured than the United States is and has much more deeper um, conflicts built within it. So they have a challenge too. So we're not alone, I guess, in, in terms of facing this challenge, but our challenge is unique and the path out of it. I, I, I really just see one way. I don't see anything else. How do you define love of country? I, I define it in the same way that you love your mother, that, that, you you would never want to see any harm come to your mother. Like there's there's few relationships that people have that's any different from the way they love their mother. And that's it's a very powerful love. And we need to find that for our country. And when it's a country that's unified, like I'll, I'll pick one out, out at random, Latvia, pretty much everyone there is related. So to love a country as you love your mother, those things go hand in hand. But we need to be able to find a way to do that here. Because that that that's what pull that's what keeps us together. We're, we're all part of this nation, but if we if we don't have that common ancestry through blood, we have to find it somewhere else, and it has to be basically through our values, through our culture, through our history. And that's why, again, it's so dangerous where you see these people pulling the names of founders off of schools because they did something that we don't consider favorable, or they they made they made the most of things that they could in the time, but I guess we by our standards we consider them criminal or something like that. So that, that's the only way out, even if we have to invent it. If it doesn't exist, we have to invent it in ourselves. You know, I, I probably just being a bit pessimistic, but that James Lindsay tweet, I think he made a really important point when, when he's talking very much about critical race theory. I mean, I don't see a, a way we get a unifying front to shut that kind of thing down, which results in the red states will get redder, the blue states will get bluer. And then eventually, maybe maybe it will force some kind of peaceful, you know, collapse or, or divorce. When you have, say, the removal of Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committees, what's the point of voting for someone if they're just going, if the Democrats who are in the majority just say, you have no voice here? Then people who are in that district are like, we have no representation. What happens when they then say, we're going to expel anyone who supported the constitutional efforts by Trump's, by the Republicans to object to the, the, the electoral vote? It's in the Constitution. They say, we don't care. We're going to vote to expel these people. Eventually, you'll have states with no representation. They'll say, we're not part of the union anyway. Well, well, look, we can still fight this through voter registration. And again, this is hard stuff. This You can't go home and watch your Super Bowl and eat your Dunkin' Donuts and just let life slip by. By engaging and lobbying the state legislatures where you have power, by registering new people to vote who share our worldview and getting them to turn out. There's The other ways out of this are arms insurrection or just slit your own wrists. Those are the two other options, and I'm choosing, and I, I hope others choose this option, is to just to fight for our country through the democratic process we have. And, you know, that's, that's the, the most, the worst thing about this voter fraud thing, and I, is, is the way it demoralizes people from believing in the system or from engaging with the system. I got an email from somebody today, um, and she said, well, I'm just, I'm never going to vote again. And, okay, now what? It's, it's either arms insurrection or just slit your wrists and get it over with. The Republicans are bleeding uh, voters. I, I, I saw that again. I, for speaking from a nonprofit point of view, that doesn't – as long as you show up and vote in the general for, for 
like patriotic causes that's the party doesn't is secondary i will tell you though i did see those numbers um those are very tiny numbers i think that's just the media inventing a story um and remember uh, i i i met a ton well, go ahead sorry sorry no i was just gonna say because we were talking earlier i mean president trump I've we've seen presidents screw up and lose reelection. George W. H.W. Uh, Bush, Jimmy Carter. Um, you can go back further in history. They actually have their totals go down. I mean, Trump President went Trump went up substantially, and we can talk about why he still lost, but that's substantial, and the momentum's there. I think right now the the Republican Party is sort of suffering from a, a lack of um, unity and vision, and that's. We'll lose. We've we. I've been here before. I was in here in 2009. We lost everything then too. I was here in 1993. We lost everything then too. Um, and the Democrats have been in this position too. It's 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 not. It's uncommon. very different. It, well, it's I mean, true. When you, but when you when you look at the, the 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 gap between approval ratings, it's never been higher. I, I would Republicans agree. overwhelmingly despise Joe Biden, and and the media is inflaming this. And so I'm not saying that there's going to be armed insurrection or people sitting their wrists. I quite the opposite. I think it eventually gets to a point where it's a bunch of people in one state or the state legislature says, well, seeing as our senator was expelled and we're no longer represented by the union, we no longer consider ourselves to be a member well, of the I, union. I put that in the armed insurrection category because that's essentially what it is. It, it seems declaring like um, a civil war. Our but, politics but, but, is but meant to divide even. us if, intentionally. If, if, the, if, if you have Democrats in Congress who are like, we vote to expel these members, then What's the resolution when they're just like, okay, well, then, and then the they state stop. Just, the state has to succeed. And well, they... California already defies the laws like of the federal government to an extreme degree. I mean, they've always basically, well, not always, but they've for a very long time defied federal drug laws. They completely defy immigration laws. So they defy the laws of the federal government while then demanding benefits of the federal government and the right to vote out anybody from other parts of the country. The system doesn't make a lot of sense right now. You have these sanctuary states and cities that are acting in complete defiance of federal law, yet now now we're moving towards this position where they're going to vote to remove representation from other people from states that do abide by federal law. Yeah, and again, the solution that I'm advocating is through organization and taking advantage of the democratic process that has rescued us from these types of problems, not exactly this problem historically, because I that is the only way out of it. And I think it's within reach, to be honest with you, because um, I— this, if you look at the past election, look at House elections, that they, the Republicans came very close to flipping the House, very close, and the Senate was kind of a mess. We had horrible candidates in 2020. Yeah, yeah, the Senate was a horrible scenario. Where Trump but, was on the ticket. True, true. So in 2018, when Trump wasn't on the ticket, they lost it, and then when Trump wasn't on the ticket with Georgia, they lost Georgia. So His, now, historically, though, um, you, he wasn't on the ticket in 2010. He wasn't on the ticket in 2014. Those were high mortar marks years for um, Republicans. And I think it's dependent on candidate after candidate following the model of an America first um, uh, platform. And I think that will prob- that that will allow us through the system to, to address those sanctuary cities, et cetera, et cetera. I, 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 I can respect and appreciate the the, you know, the optimism and, and what you're doing, but. The, the the phrase America first has been completely demonized by the media as alt-right white nationalism. So, I mean, do you think in two years there's going to be a politician who's allowed to say that? No, they'll get banned from social media instantly. It's up to us. It's up to me in this effort. That's, it, it, I, you may be right. I, I And I'm not trying to seem optimistic. I'm not necessarily optimistic. I'm just like, look, this is the hill I'm going to die on. I've decided. And I'm content with it. And I don't think I'm alone. And I don't necessarily think I'm going to die on it either. And, and neither the rest of us who, who stand with it.
I was thinking as you guys were talking that politics, I don't think is a unifying force. I think the whole idea of politics is to divide us so that we don't create a uniparty totalitarianism. So we've created this system that will, we constantly fight and, or, or argue. And so looking for a unity there isn't the way, but science, we had this physicist the Democrats on, and the Republicans are a uni uniparty. Yeah. They, they, well, you know, the uniparty controls two the faces of the same coin, maybe, or, or multifacial, uh, the Democrats call for, for things, and the Republicans say, slow down there. Yeah, Mr. I don't think we're going to find unity in that process. But we had this scientist on a couple nights ago, and it was like such a unifying feeling. And the people were hitting me up for days afterwards, like, this is so great. We're talking about unifying field theory and like something that everyone can get behind, something that will save our lives and our species. And the politics will always be there, but that's good so that we don't have some science totalitarian governor Well, it's built over. into politics because politics is a zero-sum game. You can only win when the other side loses. Whereas in business, you know, we, we even may be competitors, but we don't necessarily have to. My gain doesn't have to come at your loss. But I mean, there's there are 100 seats in the Senate. When you gain one, somebody else loses one. So it's, it's unfortunately that and, and that's it's just democracy. So do you think we should change that? I am working within the system and that's that's my highway. Yeah, that'd be cool if it was a, if it was not a zero sum game. It's not possible because there's always and only two parties. You can throw different labels on them. There will always and only be two parties. Even in a country like the UK where you have multi parties and parliamentary systems, there's always two parties. The party that's in power and the party that's out of power. The sure. second the second strongest party. Do you ever look at a what's that type of voting where you rank choice voting? Same situation. It's there's two parties, the one in power and out of power. What about libertarian what, and green? Still two powers, still two parties, the one in power and out of power. Libertarian and green, what it basically just fractionalizes votes. I mean, look, I think that having a primary system where you have libertarian uh, candidates within the Republican Party making their case, and we have some, they're fantastic. Rand Paul, right? Fantastic. Or you have green oriented candidates running in the Democrat Party. I can't think of any off the top of my uh i don't know so all the green new deal people right well they're not i think the green party and them kind of don't mesh completely sure but like the green party agenda they're more like democratic socialist party just just because of the way mathematics works it's just a math matter if you are a green candidate you're probably better off picking one of the two parties that exists and running within it as a caucus and trying to win primaries like bernie sanders sure the problem with that, why I will never participate in that again, is because you look at what happened to the Democrats when the moderate Democrats won in 2018. Nancy Pelosi said, you do as you're told, and it said, yes, ma'am. So these moderates who said, we're not going to play culture, we're politics, we're not going to get in this fight, we're going to work on kitchen table issues like health care and jobs, and then as soon as they walked in the door, Nancy Pelosi says, you do as you're told, and they said, yes, absolutely. No no questions well, asked. Remember... Except for Jeff, Jeff Van Drew, he was like, I'm out. <laughs> well, remember, though, I mean, if they got reelected in 2020... That's what the people were, that's, that's what the voters chose. And that's the damnedest thing about democracy. A lot is of them that, didn't. Well, no, but that's who they chose. They elected, yeah. they reelected them. They won their primaries a second time. So that's, that was who the voters, and that's the problem with democracy is that ultimately people get, get the government they deserve. Well, uh, a lot of these people who did that lost. Uh, a lot of the moderates ended up Th losing. That sounds appropriate. And yeah. that's the, now, if, if you said you're going to go to Washington and do something, you don't do it. The appropriate thing to happen is your voters to hold you accountable. And they, now, if they're, and then you get the next guy who comes in who says, I'm not going to be like him. And they do the same thing on the other side. Yeah. But eventually you get some folks like Paul Gassar or, uh, Matt Gates or Rand Paul, and we just need more of them. And it, it's just, it's a matter of 
of courage on the individual level. I think it's definitely fair to say that times are bad. And I think what Tim is kind of alluding to is that we're kind of on a ship that's sinking and people are just ransacking it. Correct me if I'm wrong. And when that happens, it's going to get ugly. Uh, I think it's fair to say that things will only get worse from here. But essentially, I I think things will resolve itself. It might be the way that, that you're saying. I think that also might be a long shot. But I think it's also going to be a lot of people realizing that if they're relying on other people and politicians to solve their problems, that they're always going to have problems. And I think we're moving into this new day and age where even though we have the censored internet, we have to remember, even when the printing press came out, there was major movements by governments and religions in order to stop the printing press. And essentially, they weren't able to do it. And I think we're in a similar phase with cryptocurrencies. We're in a similar phase with the internet. And eventually, more people will find out, more people will educate themselves and understand that truly, the problems that they need solved, they need to solve them themselves. And I think when that happens, there's going to be a big awakening and things are going to get a lot better. And just like, you know, our lives are a big roller coaster. It goes up and down. Right now, we're at the down phase, but I think eventually we're going to go up there. And hopefully, it's going to be peaceful. Hopefully, it's going to be done the way that you're describing. But I think it's going to be done in a non-political way that's going to have more severe ramifications for our lives and our children's lives that we don't even know of yet. Well said, Luke. And that being said, how about we take some super chats and see what the audience has to say? If you have not already, smash the like button, subscribe, the notification bell, and go to TimCast.com, become a member, because we do have content only for members. Some people seem to think we're just uploading the same content. That's not true. There is a members-only section with a comment section. Those videos are exclusively at TimCast.com. Let's read what we got here. We have C. Hennessy who says, hey, Tim. I had an idea popped in my head that if a third party really wanted to make a difference, they would only focus on Senate seats. Getting five from both parties would force compromise. Your thoughts? Senate seats are extremely hard to win. I'd say they should win a handful of congressional seats. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I think that uh, as a party, you can't quite do that. Individual candidates with a lot of charisma and money can decide I'm going to be an independent. But then when they get to Washington, they still have to vote one way or the other. So it's they're going to naturally fall into one of the two parties. Bernie Sanders is an independent. He fell on the Democratic side. I would say that if people have an agenda, they should just pick which party you think they're going to be most successful in. Here's the thing. If you can't win a party primary, it's very difficult. It's much more difficult to win a general as an independent than it is to win a party's primary. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. All right, let's see. Phineas says, Commander W. Adama, There's a reason you separate military and the police. One fights the enemy of the state. The other serves and protects the people. When the military becomes both, then the enemies of the state tend to become the people. From Battlestar Galactica. Good show. Excellent show. I'm fearful of this remake because the the last Ron Moore was so good. Again? Third remake? Yeah. You can't do it, man. The last one was was, was amazing. Hmm. Flimsy Fox says, "I've, I've never understood why blocking people on Twitter works the way it does. If you don't want to see someone's posts, that's fine. But I've never understood why I'm the why I am the one who gets to choose who doesn't see my posts. I don't know. It's a combination of factors. I can't respond to either. Brandon Schroeder says you guys should have someone from the Meat Eater crew on to talk about hunting. That would make a great podcast. I would that love sounds to cool. Have Steve Ranella on. He's so cool. Yeah. Let's see. Terry Butler says, "Are you all wearing your masks and double layering? I don't want to get infected while I watch." <laughs> Well, Ian's got the uh, the space the space dome. Oh, you're making me bring it out. Yep. Where is it? So I saw an ad for these things. Yes. I think I saw an article for it. So cool. And I had to have it. They're ridiculous. <laughs> They're expensive. 
But I think it uh, is important. Upside, yeah, upside down. down. Oh, there you go. Upside down again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So these things are one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Yes. The stylish. I honestly, <laughs> but, I, but I think you're not allowed to wear them because the rule is specifically a cloth mask. <sighs> I, couldn't, I couldn't hear you. That's too bad. <laughs> that, and what happens if you sneeze? You guys oh, no. Leave a comment on the video. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when you sneeze? That should be the title. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got. Whoa. Petty says, internal migration is actually making Texas slightly more red. Governor Abbott had a study done on it. It's a foreign migration. That's the issue. Most Hispanics who are citizens want the drawbridge lifted. Interesting. Declan Lyon says the CCP are trolling us now. They aren't really swabbing arses. They're just seeing how long it takes for us to start doing it. Hello from Dublin. <laughs> like, like I said, it feels like there people are just poking us to see how far they can push it before people finally Literally snap. Literally poking us. This is what I, I tell people, man, look, I left the big cities. I went to the middle of nowhere. We can walk outside without masks on. We can do whatever we want. In fact, there's a ton of all the businesses. There are some. It was really weird where they make you wear masks. But I'll tell you, out here, this is going to trigger the left. You ready for this? You walk into a, a, a building and they'll go, take off your mask. Or they'll look at you and be like, you don't got to wear that. And I'm like, you have a sign on the door. And they're like, eh. And I'm like, eh, I, I don't care to wear it, whatever. But there are some stores where they're like, nah, don't wear those in here. Some some shops in, in that sell weapons are like, we don't allow that because we sell guns. We don't want people coming in we can't identify. And I'm like, that I understand. But uh, it's very different. Like in Florida, there's this viral video of people just doing their thing. No masks, like no one cares. And the, and, the, and the leftist media was like, <gasps> oh, no. Well, you don't live there. What are you worried about? Connor O'Shaughnessy says, what do you think about the impending retirement crisis and how in 2023, the boomers will have reached peak retirement rates? I don't know. What's the retirement crisis? Like everyone's going to retire from their jobs and then you're going to have a bunch of woke millennials who don't know how to do the job. Is that what's happening? Or like people hoping for social security to get them through. Oh, right. But yeah, inflation. Yeah. Yep. And there's not enough people to pay into it to pay yep. off the Social Security yeah. for the people that actually did spend their money on it. The real civil war will be armies of boomers going up against millennials ah, on the streets. That'll be good. I'm betting on the boomers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of reasons. Huh? Chantel Levitt says, Matt, I hail from California, attended the first LAA grassroots course. Excited for the second course on voter integrity. Are you interested in teaching about redistricting? Um, can I use this as a segue to pitch my... I'll do it too. Okay, so look... Uh, if I want everybody who's watching to please sign up for our next grassroots training course on how to lobby and organize in your community to target your county government and your state government to get them to fix our voter in, our, our election system, that's going to happen on uh, February 18th from 8 p.m. to uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. You can register at lookaheadamerica.org slash training. Um, also, um, we look at America's now opened up a Discord server for gamers who are of the uh, America First persuasion to come together and play games and uh, be among the and, and share you know share uh, uh, some time together. Um, that's at discord.gg slash look ahead America. To answer the redistricting question, um, redistricting's a little bit outside the field of look ahead America's uh, mission, but um, I'd like to it's a very it's a very challenging topic and maybe sometimes I'll come back and talk about it because redistricting is sort of the secret war that happens behind politics that you never read about but is the most bloody and brutal of all Dude, you know why I love your work Matt big part of why along the boat metaphor of that we're on a sinking ship I feel, what it seems like what you're doing is you're corralling the people to come together and start bailing the ship and f taking control of the vessel whereas people like me are thinking about the structural integrity of the boat where's the hole 
I, I'm going to go start working on the whole. And we need both of these things to happen at the same time. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's people who profit from the boat sinking. Huh. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of like uh, a, a, uh, similar to what happened with the GameStop thing. The people shorting the stock, wanting the company to fail. And then the people wanting the company to succeed to screw, to succeed, to screw over the, the, sh- the people shorting it. If there are people who are like, as soon as this boat sinks, the treasure is mine. And they see you trying to fix it. They're going to be like, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to ransack this thing. If the boat gets upright, they're going to come after me for stealing all this stuff. Yeah. Good one. Mm. Yeah. All right, we have a script. Well, there we go. Mm. Stairs into space gaming says on graphene. I'm an investor company named Talga that's going to sell graphene anodes for the battery market and will fund broad applications elsewhere. That's really cool. We have some of these. Uh, you, you, you guys have probably seen those batteries. You buy the external batteries. You can beat them at the store and you charge them up, plug them in. We have some graphene ones. They're graphene composite batteries. They charge in 10 to 15 minutes, full charge, and they can recharge your phone two and a half times. So imagine if like your phone's about to die and you're like, oh, no, what do I do? I got to leave in 10 minutes for work. You plug in one of these graphene batteries. It fully charges in like 10 minutes. You walk up the door, you plug in your iPhone. And then over the course of 30 to 40 minutes, your iPhone or cell phone will charge. These things are awesome. Daniel Welch says, Matt, what are your thoughts on work like Dr. Shiva, Edward Solomon's showing concerning mathematical in, uh, indications of algorithmic vote suppression? If true, voter registration runs may be futile. This one may be a little bit spicy for you, too. Well, I'll answer it. Um, I've avoided commenting on other people's work, but I will tell you that what I have found I, I don't think is is valid. And I think part of it is an ignorance of how the election system works and how votes are tabulated election night. All my efforts have been focused on people who cast ballots or had ballots cast in their name that were illegal. And those are things I can document. And about not, right now, I actually have a team of 30 volunteers going through Georgia work. We're not done. And we'll be not not this week, but the end of next week or the Monday after, we'll be releasing our Georgia report, which will show like fairly conclusively our interesting findings. But I, <laughs> I, there are a lot of people in this field. And honestly, I've worked in this since the mid-90s at, at, on every angle. Every, I've worked for counties and towns and states on redistricting and election administration and how voter registration works. Um, I don't buy a lot of the other stuff I see. I'm not going to name check anybody, but I don't. Th- what I buy is the stuff that we've been producing through VIP, which is basically ballots being cast that were not legal and absentee ballots being requested that were not truly requested, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, to segue a little bit more, um, we did release our voter integrity reforms, which are going to encourage people to lobby for their state legislature that we believe these six reforms will solve the problems that we had and they're very achievable and they're all in, they're not, none of them are crazy like blockchain or facial recognition. These are all very simple and achievable. And uh, we look forward to pursuing them in all 50 States. Right on. And we we're again, we're going to have a bonus segment coming up at uh, timcast.com after the show. It'll probably be up around 11 or so because we got to record it and then upload it, but become a member. If you want to get access, we have Sheldon S says, Tim, you're on fire and on point. And Ian actually had a good point about schools. Love Luke. Thanks fellas. Hey, there we go. There's some positivity for the night, some optimism. Oh, thank you. Clay Moore says, grab your brooms and call shenanigans. Oh, wait, they have a fence now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? Lucy Lurker says, let's talk about Tom McDonald fake woke removed from iTunes, Amazon Music, and Panorama after topping the charts. Was That's it really brutal. removed? I heard wow. that. I didn't check myself, though. I, I haven't verified yeah, this, but that. if that happened, wow. Yep. Well, what would be the basis for removing? Hate speech. Like his lyrics were too racy or something. Well, the critical race theorists have won, and they won a while ago. It's like, look, I don't want to speak for James Lindsay, but he has this big thread that people are retweeting where he's like, 
there's no winning. It's happened. It happened a while ago. Now they're just tolerating you, I guess, as a, as a, a pressure. Well, I, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm saying right now, I agree with the, with the gist of what he was saying, and I'll add this. They won a while ago. This show is allowed to exist as a pressure release valve for those that, those that hate it and are angry about it. It is a milk toast, lukewarm opinion show where we complain about the establishment. And that's, and that's it. You know, they, 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 they tolerate the fact that we talk about these things. It's a pressure release valve. That's the way I would describe it. Yeah. Plus, I can go on and on and on about this one. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're offering solutions a lot of ways. We're having we try. Like, thought leaders on. It's, it's yeah. a very positive force. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like we're desperately pulling on this rope as we're getting dragged. Like, I, I imagine like the bus flew off the clip at cliff and we're holding on the rope to the back of it, slowly getting dragged off as well. Waiting for Superman to come and help us. Maybe. Maybe there will be a Superman who swoops in, some truly charismatic leader who challenges the system, inspires the nation, and wins more such, votes than anyone else. Such a fantasy. It, you have to be the Superman. We, you have yeah. to be the Superman. That's right. You have to be the Superman. Haley Elkin says, love you guys so much. Thanks for doing what you do. P.S. iTunes removed Tom McDonald's fake woke from their directory. Man, that's crazy. Wow. I'm trying to look it up. Eric Miller says, if you bribe a cop, it's a crime. If you bribe a politician, it's a lobbying. Class privileges? We still have the mafia. It just went corporate. Oh, they realized this. They were like, man, why are we operating outside the system? We just operate within it. Make more money. Just control the politicians. All right, let's see what we got here. Sean Sinan Cummins says, Tim, I'm 19. I make bamboo fishing rods and boats. The quarantine that effed NYC gave me the opportunity to pursue my dream. Love the show. Appreciate it, man. That's cool. Good, cool story. Louis Castagliola says, Tim, could it be that the left is still scared of Trump because nothing they plan to do will actually fix the problems that drove people to Trump? If they've truly won, why do they seem so afraid of him? It's not that they're afraid of him. Um, partly they are, yes. But I think it's because they're afraid they have nothing to offer the American people other than Trump is bad. I mean, Biden got a bunch of votes because they just screamed how awful Trump was. Not because Joe Biden was good. Joe Biden wasn't campaigning. He was in his basement calling a lid. But orange man bad. And so there was, you know, a lot of conservatives pointed out there was no enthusiasm for Biden. That was true. But there was a ton of enthusiasm against Trump. Many of the same polls showed that. So they got nothing to offer, to be completely honest. Tristan SZ says, counter argument. I'm an international student from Mexico going for electoral and computer uh, electrical, sorry, and computer engineering aspiring to work, spend and live in the U.S. I love American values that 90 percent of uh I love American values that 90% of Democrat voters, and then I think maybe he said don't, I'm not sure. Hmm. Mark Shapcott says, Ian, how can you promote UBI, but say abolish the Fed? Do you even know what you are saying? Oh, I, well, I should say, specify, I wasn't really promoting uh, universal basic income in the, in the way Andrew Yang suggested it, but that we develop some sort of like, you know, basic living standard for humans. The Fed, I don't know. I don't like private banks issuing us our own money. I think we could issue our own with like a blockchain. So there's a set amount of it. And then we could always create new currencies if we need to co-intermingle currencies. Well, we have crypto. Tons yeah. of tokens. That's kind of doing that. Navy Sooner says, Ian is starting to really grow on me. One question for Tim, though. Have you thought about contacting Colian Noir? He's not just a huge two-way advocate, but he used to be a very, a very successful lawyer. I have, but he's a busy fella. So, Colian, uh, feel uh, feel free to come on the show whenever you want. We'll, we'll we will reach out again. A couple of super chats ago, someone mentioned they were from out of the country and they were an engineer, I think, and very excited about American values. And it made me think: What about what's happening? Like, are we getting the best humans in the world 
coming to the United States and displacing the complacent Americans? And if they were, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. I don't know. It's a complicated question. You, you, you've got people who have whose families have uh, shed blood, sweat, and tears for this country on the battlefield to secure it and help it grow, and they wanted their children to have a better life. Those kids might grow up and be lazy layabouts, but it was the, reaping the rewards of their of their the sacrifices of their ancestors. You have people come here who sacrifice themselves from the countries they 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 were in, but a lot of people are critical because when you look at say Honduras, Nicaragua, and um, what's the other country I'm, I can't think of right now? Paraguay. No, no, no. What's the uh, Honduras? Belize. You have a lot of these people who are coming from these countries and they're leaving their countries, not sacrificing to make those countries better, coming here to reap the rewards of, you know, the people who came before us who shed blood, sweat and tears. There's a really amazing quote that I referenced a while back from Ulysses S. Grant about why states aren't allowed to secede. And it's because he says the people of this country shed blood and treasure to make sure that those states could join in the union for them to leave now would be essentially like a theft. So for the Americans who want to reap the rewards of their parents and live better lives or just be comfortable to lose that because someone else wants to reap the rewards from your parents, well, that offends a lot of people. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think it's something to consider. Well, you also have to consider, too, is that if you take a country that's maybe going through a difficult time and the only people still in that country are the people not smart enough to figure out a way to leave, how does that country ever recover? If you just if everybody if a country's going downhill and everyone who's smart enough to get out of there comes to the United States or the UK or some other prosperous country, what, what's the future for that country? What, what is it going to face? Mm-hmm. It, and, and you end up, I think, with something like Haiti, and brain drain. Yeah. yeah. So like decentralizing yeah. the intellect is probably better for the the species. You know what? You know what I think the future holds for us. I think a strong possibility is that smart people will pull off some kind of Ayn Rand like system where they was it called galt's gulch but but it's not going to be uh uh, it's not going to be the way atlas shrug depicts it like these people get really angry and just leave and then the government's confused and industrialists in the country are like what's happening everything's falling apart no 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 no. the smart people are all going to agree we need a place where we can do whatever we want because we are the smart better people and the poor people can live it's kind of like elysium you ever see elysium the space station in the sky of all the wealthy and the elites and the people on the planet who live are poor. Take a look at how, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, Southeast Asia works with the four tigers, with Singapore, with Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan. You have these areas, notably like Hong Kong, Macau, where ultra wealthy Chinese individuals can live like capitalists while the people on the mainland are basically treated like slaves. I think the future holds something that at a global level for us. You have to be careful because if you centralize too much power in one spot, if that spot gets devastated, you lose the power. It's not, it's not about one spot. It's about like having a passport. It's like there will be a world where there will be certain people, like it already is this way, to be completely honest. The ultra wealthy can do whatever they want. COVID lockdowns happened and rich people got in private jets and flew without passports to Germany. And it was like people complained about it. It's like, what are you going to do? They're the, they're the global elites. They're the industrialists. They're the wealthy. They, they live by a different set of rules. This, this thing I'm, 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 argue, I'm saying, Probably already exists, and I think most yeah, of us realize it. that was my first it. thought. Yeah, it's exactly how it works right now. Rich people get to do whatever they want, whenever they want. They buy beachfront property while telling you to give everything up because of climate change. They fly in private jets to accept their awards for environmentalism. But in Ayn Rand, it's not just rich idiots. It's like the, the intellectual elite of the earth, right? right? Well, Ayn, Ayn Rand's novel, I'm a huge fan of her work. Um, but it's important to remember that Atlas Shrugged and her other stories, too, 
they're written in a romantic style, and that's why so many literary little little literary critics who will never amount to anything in their lives hate her, <laughs> is because they don't grasp that it's written in a true romantic style. So, but in theory, I, I mean, the rich have always lived that way. To be honest with you, yeah, mm-hmm. they always have, right? I mean, what's the point? What's the point of being rich if you can't do stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they they can speed and they don't care. They can but violate we, laws and when you're talking about creating buy a, citizenship, an intellectual society, I, I agree. Kind of parlaying from what we were talking about, that centralizing that would be dangerous because, like, if you if everyone moved to Mars and you had this intellectual community on Mars or in a space station and the space station blew up, yeah, there it goes. You're making a small small error here in that I, I think it's important not to confuse IQ with character. Those two things don't necessarily go in hand in hand. And if, you know, you want to just bring some high IQ thing, you end up with, you know, some university where everybody's a supposed genius, but I mean, they can't even create a pillow company on their own. Mm -hmm. So, well, we'll see. I think they'll be successful. Uh, The way I described it earlier is it's woke capitalism. It's tribal capitalism. It's a little different. They're going to sell pillows from people who just want to own the cons. They're not going to be particularly good pillows. They're going to be particularly expensive, but they'll sell them. Will the company be around in five years? How many jobs will it create? Um, How much wealth long term will it create? Uh, I'm Maybe not, not getting much. Yeah, five years. Well, anybody but, can grift for a couple minutes. You know, as they say, right. the, the, the whole, you know, what uh, that uh, Parkland survivor, it, every great movement eventually becomes a business before devolving into a racket. Yeah. Now we're in the racket phase where they're making pillows, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. We got, uh, looks like we got, a, we got a big old super chat. So it's a series of super chats. A Google user says, people think the Boston Tea Party was the revolution. It 20 years later, in 1775, King George ordered the colonists hung and snubbed the olive branch petition. However, the Boston Tea Party left the crew and, all right, let's see if I can find the next one. There we go. Cargo alone. Only one lock was damaged, which was promptly replaced. And the one member violated their principles, was reprimanded and turned in. Unlike the Jacobin Revolution in France, the American Revolution was a conservative reaction to reclaim. And now we scroll down. Here we go. Let's see if we can find the next one. Reclaim what? Come Where's on. the super chat? Suspense is killing me. Yes. There we go. Oh, it just oh, jumped okay. on me. There we go. All right. No, so the so the super one. chats do this where it's like when you scroll too much, it just flips the whole thing up. And uh, Reclaim what? Reclaim ah. what? Rights recognized under the 1600s glorious revolution. Read the spirit of laws and the two treatises, uh, treaties? treatises? treatises yeah. of government. You will find... Uh, you will find it's the definition of American conservatism. Love your show. Show, Also, do more history. I mean, that'd be fun. Cool, I yeah. think there's one more in the... It was supposed to be five Two, tweets. Maybe it was only... Yeah. There we go. Oh, there's a fourth one missing. Yeah, where's the fourth well, one? Well, hey, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Looks like uh, YouTube didn't make it function properly. We'll read this one. Jerome Morrow says, Ian, anything of value to us that does not occur naturally in the wild requires some human to do some work to create that value from nature. Money can only work if it's a credit for a specific amount of value someone else created from the natural world. Yeah. Laura says, Tim, your attitude is awful. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes I have a bad attitude. I don't agree with that. My well, attitude. I mean, I do agree with that statement. Well, my I attitude being awful? No, sometimes, but not, not tonight. <laughs> not right now. Okay, here we go. You, uh, EW says, Ian. For the love of God, please learn basic economics. Also, Tim, I was a registered GOP since 98. I changed to independent last month because I'm done with spineless GOP. They don't listen. Has nothing to do with January 6th events. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. What well, well you know, if, if, you're, if you decide you're in a state where you have to be GOP to vote in the primary and you don't like the direction the party's going in, 
you're going to like it a hell of a lot less if you stop voting in that primary because suddenly you lose what little sliver of influence you have. So I would just warn the person that the party is determined by whoever shows up. And if you don't like the way it looks and you decide to react to that, not by bringing more people who look like you into it, but by leaving, you're going to like it even less. You're warned. I don't know, man. I didn't vote. I voted in 2008 and then I didn't vote. And uh, how do you like th- how things are going, Tim? Uh, not well. I'm not, I'm not happy with it. But, uh, then I voted in 2020 and it's still worse. So it's kind of like, man, uh, I don't like the Republicans. I don't like, for the most part, having to vote for them because all they are essentially is a stopgap. They, they, the way I describe it is they're the ones sitting in the rocking chair saying, slow down there, mister, as the Democrats run, run wild and go crazy. And there's no political party with any power that actually fights for strong individualist values. The Republican Party certainly doesn't do that. And they don't even fight. The things they do fight for, if they even do fight for it, certainly are not individualism. And the Democrats are the exact opposite. They're just just destroying everything. You look at California and it's just like, wow, there's a saying that California is a few years ahead of the rest of the country. Now, help us if that's true, because that's going to get real gruesome. What would Thomas Jefferson tell you to do? Run for office. Well, Thomas Jefferson said a bunch of real stuff you can't say on YouTube these days. But if he was here so, right now, what would he tell you? He probably, something I can't repeat on YouTube. Okay, tell something, me in the bonus segment. Yeah, we'll, we'll mention it in the bonus Ooh. segment. No joke. The, we will open literally in the bonus segment with what Thomas Jefferson said to do. And is, I think a lot of people know, and you can't see it on YouTube. Is it about a tree? Uh, it might be. Yeah. It, it might be. I don't, can't recall. I think so. I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but he also said something to the effect of like purging and rewriting the Constitution and yeah. the people need to like be active in the process and... Uh, it's, it's true. We need an amendment process, but there's no guarantee you're actually going to get it. Uh, we got a super chat just says, uh, go Luke. There you go. He's just sitting there where? scrolling. Where, yeah, go where? Where, where are we going? Go. Moon. go. Get out. Get out of here. Florida? Yeah. Ooh, sounds good. Sounds nice. Rachel says, you laugh, but Nikola Tesla wanted the same thing. Free electricity for all. It's possible. He did. He did. What's, what, what do you got here? Uh, Mythic Rouge Shalor says, there is a song with a simple message from a band I like. It's by the band called May. What is this? Maybe she will. Maybe she will. The song is called "Not for a Want of Trying." Interesting. We'll check it out. A.W. says, "No matter the system, capitalism, socialism, communism, it will always become corrupt. We will go through cycles of resetting each system when need be." Interesting. Alejandra says, "The solution to corruption and transparency of taxation is the blockchain." Bitcoin is perfect for the job with its decentralized public ledger. That's actually a really good point. I often talk about how Bitcoin is going to make everyone's transactions public. And someone with a strong enough computer and not particularly strong can track all of your transactions. They do it now. Same thing is true for government accounts. The government wants to transact Bitcoins. We can all watch it happen. That'll be fun. Wasn't it like a bunch of FBI agents... uh, Took the money from Ross Ulbricht and like spent it or something? Uh, a few corrupt uh, ones that were involved in the case that, uh, you know, they got caught stealing. Wow. Well, there you go. Release the Craggle says, read Jefferson's letter to William Smith. It talks deeply about a government who isn't motivated by its people. Interesting read if you catch my drift. Huh. Interesting. Slain Hope says, we argue about the morality of giving poor people money when we give it to the rich like they owe the pr- uh, own the printing press. You are for the double standard? No, I'm not. 
I've been calling out government welfare, corporate socialism from the very beginning, especially with the big banks, especially with all the big tech companies, especially with all the special interests and startup groups and, and money that has been intermingled. And, and I think that's way more important than uh, even the basic welfare. Jake Dean says, English Timcast.com member here. Love you guys. I watch you during my graveyard shift every night. Also, I really admire Ian's optimism. Well, Thank that's you, a good sir. thing. Let's keep it up. Pseudoscience says, question for Ian and Tim. Many people say they care about social security nets. Why not choose to give to nonprofits instead of forcing all to pay? Why use government? What do you think, Ian? I was actually uh, doing a little research on Battelle, who Jeremy Riss brought up, the scientist that kind of is a, not, it's actually a nonprofit that oversees and manages all of our science institutes, all of our laboratories in the United States. A nonprofit. So that's not the kind of nonprofit I want to, I want to fund. I think just, just the fact that someone is a nonprofit doesn't mean they can't become immensely corrupt and they're all, profitable. They're all corrupt. Yeah. Like and can, they're all profitable. You can pay yourself any amount of not money. Corrupt. All right. <laughs> they're not all Matt's corrupt. Matt's not corrupt. Matt's organization is not corrupt. Well, so so here's – I'll tell you this. Uh, I have a very simple I, – I, I actually have a very experienced answer for your question. I was a fundraiser for nonprofits, many of them, some of the biggest in the world, and they were all corrupt, every single one of them. Some of the small ones that I worked for, totally corrupt. Some of the bigger ones, oh, absolutely corrupt. You see, they call it a nonprofit, but they're profits. They're for profits. They're corporations. They're private entities. And there's no guarantee that the money you give goes to what you think it's going to go to. They use clever accounting and word tactics to make it seem like the money you give goes to a cause. But for the most part, I've found small nonprofits of a small handful of people tend to be okay and try. They're legitimate. Big nonprofits, medium-sized nonprofits, and even small nonprofits that still have several million dollars to their yearly bottom line— all corrupt. Because what happens is a legitimate nonprofit that grows to a certain size, eventually they start paying their executives a certain amount of money. And then in order to maintain that amount of money, they have to use strong arm fundraising tactics to survive. Once the mission is complete, a nonprofit should cease to exist. That never, never happens. And I have lived through this. I have worked for these companies. Hey, you solved the problem you were fighting for. Now what? Well, that wasn't the real problem. I need a job. And they won't give it up. The other problem is that many nonprofits are just masks, a way to launder money, essentially. I donated a million dollars to save the environment. The million dollars went to my own personal nonprofit where I pay myself a salary of half a million dollars a year over the next two years, and then dissolve the company. So no, I didn't really, you know, donate to anything. There are a lot of problems in the nonprofit industry, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Well, Matt, how many nonprofits are private corporations, and I don't trust them the same as I would trust any other private corporation to take money, and they're supposed to give it out to help people, how many, except for uh, some small ones. Like this one, maybe. How sure. many employees do you have? Uh, we have exactly one paid employee, and it isn't me. Oh. Within the next month, we should have two. I like to put myself on salary by the end of the year. If we raise the money to do that, and I will be paid a salary of 60 k plus health benefits. What do you use the money for when it comes in? Uh, to hire people. So right now, the one employee that we have paid is our research director. So he's overseeing and training all of the researchers, the volunteer researchers, who are going name by name through folks to establish with fortified information whether or not they actually lived in the state of Georgia when they cast ballots, whether or not uh, Wisconsin voters who claimed indefinitely confined status to vote without ADs were in fact indefinitely confined, that kind of work. More Additional staff would be moved into states like Virginia to stand outside and organize volunteers to stand outside Costco for 18 hours a day registering voters or to walk into churches and stand at the pulpit and explain why it's important to register to vote, get those people registered, and then 
put on events, like bring in speakers to talk about issues and hire local bands to play songs, to draw a crowd, to share the message that we have. Um, and then to turn them out to vote on election day by knocking on the doors, calling them, um, showing up out, you know, at major public events, reminding people to go out and vote. So all of the work we do is very transparent. And it's also very measurable. I mean, a lot of nonprofits, they say they're doing something right, but how do you measure what they're doing? Look ahead, America. We can tell you exactly how many people we registered to vote. We can even give you their names. How many people who stopped voting that we reached out to who then started voting again. So everything is measurable. We have to file and we'll be filing this year. We're working with our treasurer to do this, a 990 form, which tells you how every dollar was spent and how much all of the employees were paid, the top three people, you know, whatever money they were paid. So, um, that's exactly what we spend our money on. Field offices. So we'll be renting places like church basements for like 500 bucks a month. So we can have a place to organize our employees and do our on the ground training, et cetera, et cetera. You got voter integrity project. Is that actually, um, organized? We folded voter integrity project into look ahead America so that because originally voter integrity project was a spur of the moment thing, which wasn't part of anything. It basically functionally was my firm was contract for hire. And again, in that instance, I took the pledge. I was not going to take a single penny of that for myself at all. And I did not, um, much to maybe my wife's chagrin, but no, I, I didn't take a nickel of that. And all of it was spent on buying data, paying for data analysis, paying for phone centers, et cetera. But we folded that into look at America. So now at least when people make a contribution, it can be tax deductible oh. and it can be more easily accounted for. And it's just a sort of a natural home for it now. They can donate on your website. Lookaheadamerica.org. Um, they can donate, or if you can't donate, sign up to volunteer. You got to, unless you're one of these these fat and happy people Tim was describing earlier who just don't care because life's comfortable enough. You either got to donate or you got to volunteer. You got to do one of the two. Yep, I love you. See, well, donating you is too. a simple way to if you don't have the time, you can help someone else have the time because that money you provide is the resource someone else can oh, use man. to eat, to live, and then do that work. I had a friend on, in, your in South America pulling plastic out of the Atai River, and I donated a couple thousand. I had all this crypto money, and I was like, I'm just going to donate. It felt so good. She was able to buy plastic bags because the community needed bags to, to put the trash in. Like, what an amazing, just an amazing feeling. It was, I didn't just throw money at something. I, I, I specifically targeted an organization that I knew could use it. I knew what they were using it for. Good for you, man. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll do uh, one more super chat here. Proud American says, since the Time article, how are we ever supposed to believe the Dems and establishment? They did it once successfully that we know of. Was an, quote, elite cabal behind Russiagate chop the capital COVID? What do you think? Look, we have to organize. We have to organize smart. We have to work hard, work smart, and, and combat that. that it, the left is going to do what the left is going to do. They always will. All we can control is what we're going to do about it. And that's it's in our hands. Well, the one thing you can do right now, the easiest thing to ensure that the fight rages on is smash that like button, support this channel, subscribe at the notification bell. I'm only half kidding. Thank you for your support for this channel. Go to TimCast.com, become a member because we're gonna have a bonus segment and uh, it'll probably get off the rails, to be completely honest. We'll see what happens. We'll probably still get in trouble. I don't know. We'll talk about what we feel like talking about. So if you really do want to see that unfiltered, uncensored conversation, then uh, uh, check it out at TimCast.com. We do the show live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. You can you can uh, so come back for sure. Uh, leave a good comment if you're listening to the on the podcast. Then leave us a good uh, a good comment there as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Minds at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com/slash/TimCast and YouTube.com/slash/TimCastNews. Thank you all so much for hanging out. And uh, Matt, you want to? I know you mentioned Look Ahead America. 
several times already, but you know, what else do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, sign, sign up for training next uh, Thursday, 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Eastern um, at lookaheadamerica.org. Big red banner at the top, can't miss it. And if you're kind of, if you're a gamer, you like Discord, come hang out with us um, at discord.gg slash lookaheadamerica and join our server. We're, we have a contest for emoticons. We're going to give away a free T-shirt. Oh, all right, free T-shirts. People like T-shirts, right? Yep, and it's made in the USA. Yeah, there, there's, there's, real quick, something funny. There was a, a, a scientific study they did where the actual research was was a trick. The actual research was at the end. They said if you do this, you know, fill out this questionnaire, you get a free T-shirt. They had one group choose a color of T-shirt. Do you want red, green, or blue? And then people would choose their shirt. And then they would be asked again as they left, are you satisfied with your choice? The next group was given just a free shirt. It was yellow. The people who left with the yellow shirt, they said, how satisfied do you feel with the whole experience? They were very satisfied. They said, I, I love it. This is amazing. The people who got to choose were upset. They felt they chose the wrong color. Henry Ford had it right. What was you, that? you can have the Model T in any color you want as long as it's black. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone say t-shirts? How how oddly coincidental. I actually just started a t-shirt giveaway uh, two hours ago, right before the show. And I'm doing it right now on twitter.com forward slash Luke We Are Change. Luke We Are Change is my Twitter handle. And if you send me your meme, I will be be picking 10 people that I will be giving whatever you want from our store that is available on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Enter right now by going to Twitter, and of course, check me out on my YouTube channel, We Are Change, which I'm uh, already getting into a lot of trouble for having. We Are Change is the YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for having me on. You guys can follow me at Ian Crossland on the internet at YouTube. You can follow my YouTube channel. Um, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, where I will be posting updates about when I go live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ian Crossland. I stream from day to day. I uh, have not set a schedule yet, but it will be most likely in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. I'm very excited to get that rolling on a daily basis and i'll see you there very cool very cool hearing about ian's twitch and i was thinking about look ahead america's twitch and that's so cool that you guys are kind of getting into the gaming culture i love the idea of having these events with music and stuff and i know that your training is during our show but i really think that our show is recorded you can go back and check it out later you should go check out matt's training i'm sour patch lids on twitter and mines and real sour patch lids on instagram and gab you're gonna say something I was going to say that if you happen to see Tim Pool's show instead, I don't, I, I, now they realize we're in a little bit of a conflict here, but <laughs> our, our, our training, our training will also be, um, uh, available on YouTube subsequently if you have other reasons oh, okay. for not being able to make it. So, okay. um, maybe you can just dual stream them, just have them at the same <laughs> yes. There you go. But you don't have a, do, do you have a Twitch? Uh, no. There's lots of communication. He's got a Discord server. Which is oh, another okay. program that integrates with Twitch. My bad. Sure. Yeah, but he's also a hardcore boring. gamer. Gotcha. I don't know. Are you a gamer? I, I play World of Warships from time to oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's some physics. Well, yeah. we're going we're gonna to record a special bonus segment coming up uh, uh, just later in the hour because we're going to record it right now, basically. So thank you all so much for hanging out. If you want to watch it, it should be up again in about an hour at TimCast.com. Become a member now, and uh, uh, we'll see if it gets spicy. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Bye, guys.